So we've missed this uh, this thing called PBD Podcast, man. We haven't done it for a minute. We had a crazy event this last week. I think it's fair to say it was the sickest vault conference ever. Tom Brady, Mike Tyson, in a middle of the interview saying, hey, uh, do, we, do we have some time? I said, yeah, why? I got to use the restroom <laughs> first time ever. He walks out. The after party made no sense. It was craziness. We had to shut down the intercoastal making sure cops didn't show up, uh, leaving at 3 o'clock in the morning with plans of what we're going to be doing next year. Mm -hmm. Tom Brady's interview. Some of the questions that were asked uh, uh, was very interesting. Belichick was the seventh ring more to win, have one more than Belichick, or to have one more than Michael. Your thoughts are what? You're you're thinking what? I'm I'm thinking he's going after Belichick, his former coach. I don't think it's MJ. I think I, he respects Michael, the hell out of MJ. You think, I think he wants to be the greatest of, of all like time? The greatest of the greatest as well, he wants to be. Well, listen, he guys, was, he was careful it. to Stop it. because Bill Russell had 10 championships. So if that's really what his aspirations are, he needs to play four more years in the NFL. Listen, Tom well, was. Tom, um, there's one more above that, too. Um, you know, he tried very hard to be Switzerland in his answer, and he was really selling it, saying, I cared about the current one. I cared about what I was doing right then. I cared about mm-hmm. the game I was playing right now. Really tried to be Switzerland. But I think eventually, Rob, if you can go to Twitter to show the painting that we gave him at the end as a gift. And, that was and, sick. You saw the Daily Mail pick the story? Yeah, up? Daily Mail. Matter of awesome. fact, just go to Daily Mail. Go Shout to the, out uh, to the uh, Daily Mail. Vinny. Daily oh, Mail. I love it. Uh, I love it. Tom Brady. Yeah. It's an story. article. By the way, he wasn't that happy when he found out I was a Giants fan. Oh, I didn't. Just let you guys know. Watch this. So he didn't post that vid. So we got him this uh, is a Tom Brady is left stunned by massive painting of his career highlights as a future Hall of Fame replaced on Mount Rushmore by Lionel Messi, Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods. Check this out. Go lower. That was intentional, by the way. We wanted four names on the on Mount <laughs> yeah. Rushmore. Click hey, on there's it. PPD. Hey, I know Click that guy. Make guy. Guy. Go a little bit. Uh, just press play on that. I don't know if they have the painting in there as a picture. If they don't, there's a couple wide shots. That's the Mount Rushmore right there. That Tim, so bad. Tiger, Messi, and Jordan. Okay, on the Mount Rushmore. So we had him as a kid wearing Joe Montana's jersey, throwing the ball. We had him at the the draft. It was awesome giving him the gift because, you know, this is a guy like we grew You're saying this is your guy. This is my guy. Kobe's my guy. We Since grew up. When you're, when you're a fan and you oh, watch yeah. a guy's career, you're going through it. Anyways, I'm so glad he liked yeah. it. We had a great event. And uh, for those that were there, you know what I'm talking about. Ken, I'm telling you, wait till you hear what we're doing for next year. And we're going to announce Vault 2024. Sooner rather than later, we had senators at the place. We had the weirdest people at the place, ranging from mm-hmm. regular businesses to doing half a billion a year. It was a great event. The, Can't wait to do it again. The audience, like the, the actual caliber of people that were yeah. there, you heard from everybody. They were like, wow, like even the people that buying like the cheap seats kind of thing, yeah. which aren't that cheap. They're like, wow, the caliber of people were here. And then everyone, the CEOs to the, to the executive, to the, you know, what is it, the general? They were like the shout out to the to the, the sales team up there. They're like these mean, guys. The whole staff are just completely yeah. on the run. ball. But, but Adam, it, it didn't matter who, who was. If they're dealing with you, if they're dealing with Vinny, if they're dealing with uh, anybody, 
Uh, mm-hmm. the, 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 and by the way, let's not forget Will Gadara. Will Gadara well, cursed me out. I love he him. cursed me out. Will, yeah. you, you used some bad words against me, man. I don't appreciate it. No, I'm just joking. He, he was said, great. You know, he a was, lot of people were like, I was shocked by that I guy. told everybody, yeah. wait till it ends. Will could end up being your favorite great. speaker. Will crushed it. He was. By the 11 way, Madison, Pat, shout out to him making a comeback. He's an operator Hopefully. that's been there. He's been to the mountain. He set his goal. He got to the top of the mountain yeah. and just... Uh, Ran a number one restaurant, three Michelin's. Put his flag on the top of the mountain did a great job back to Brady for a second what did you learn about Brady that you just had no idea before like for instance when we were back dude he's tossing the football to Dylan Dico Pat ran a post across the middle caught it all of you guys caught it the Assyrian Randy Moss over here here's what I'll tell people he's actually taller than you think he was god the guy is tallest. Yeah, I have, you're a legit 6'4". He's at least two inches tall. No, too. he was. He's tall, man. He's I mean, six, obviously with the shoes, with shoes and slimmer. With, remember, cleats. And, cleats are an inch and a half too. Rob, sure. Rob, can you pull up the video? And, and, yeah. and not to be controversial, better looking than I thought in person. Pat, looks like a statue. I shook his hand. Yo, I shook his hand. Yeah. My eyes were where his zipper was. And like, what'd you do about like, it? What'd you do about? I was just like, this is amazing. He's the goat. Help the guy out, bro. He's the goat. Listen, I don't think that guy needs any help. With uh, yeah, yeah. Now, Vinny. he needs yeah, all yeah. the help he can get. No, by, by, by the way, it was, Vinny saved that for Adam's pocket. It was actually, it was actually, you know, there was a part of it that was emotional. There was a part of yeah. watching him, you know, talking about what he was talking about. He went on fire talking about Drew Henson. I mean, oh, that yeah. that whole story he had to tell the details of it. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, this is it. By the way, uh, NFL Combine. If you guys are watching, yep. I run a uh, um, five five four. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Go ahead and press, press it, Rob. I'll take a, shoes. I'll take a one-day contract for ten grand. Watch this. I even switch. I had the quarterback go. Look, watch this. Campbell, you did it. You're super. Look at this. Look at this. With red bottom shoes, by the way. Look at this. With red bottom shoes. With red bottoms. With red bottoms. Almost ran into the wall, but oh, yeah, you, did you almost like? And you're on a carpet, dude. That's not a joke. Uh-oh. Across the middle, like oh, where you at? Wow! Oh, what's up, guy? <laughs> Good catch, though. Dude, you can't drop that. The guy was great catch. He just comes and he goes like this. He says, "Hey, so PBD, is Daddy gonna run a route?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll run a route." Dylan runs. Go ahead, pl- press that right there. Dylan goes. And he says, hot. He says, we got to go back five yards. Let me see that iPad, Kelly. Thank you. Thanks, y'all. And then he does it again. That's how technical this guy was. Yeah, he doesn't play. He's he's messing with an eight-year-old. They're like, nah. Oh, sorry, Dylan. Look at at Dilly. Dilly boy. But Senna didn't didn't want to run around. She wants to be a princess. She wants to be a cheerleader. She wants to be a baker. Senna's a girly girl. He's a baker. Anyways, we had a great time. Wish you were there. Tico Even Tico caught it. And Pat, yeah, this it's, is the, the vault drink. Everybody and their mother was drinking. The, this was the this was the like launch. Technically, like everybody there was drinking it. Wow, yeah. we'll do a full blown launch. Full but blown the vault launch, drink. But... We've been drinking for a few months just to mm-hmm. fully before we do that. So, anyways, Ooh. every podcast you're gonna see is gonna be sponsored by the vault drink. Nice. So when you Amazing. see this, had eight a day. This guy learn more. Wild fire. Okay. All right, let's go into a lot of stories. Number one, three people, three different people. Uh, others claimed that they could be assassinated. One, Tucker claimed Trump's about to be assassinated. Russian uh, propagandist said Tucker's about to be assassinated. And Elon Musk's father said the way Elon is going, he's worried about Elon being assassinated. All in the same news cycle. 
Tucker uh, made a few crazy claims about Barack Obama and what he did with, uh, you know, gay sex and crack. And he said some other things about what's going on there. We'll cover that one maybe here in a minute. Trump uh, waves arraignment, uh, uh, pleads not guilty into Georgia case. DeSantis de- team denies Trump rumor that he'll drop out of the race. DeSantis super, super PAC, uh, uh, urgent plea to donors. We need 50 million bucks. Uh, uh, then you got Trump world sees Haley surging towards DeSantis. Uh, biographer says it wouldn't be a total shock if Biden drops out. Gavin Newsom making some big moves. We'll talk about that here in a minute. Fauci, Vinny's got an update for us with Fauci. Uh, roasted as fraud and liar after being confronted in damning study on masks. Uh, what else we got here? Resilient U.S. economy defies expectation. Kevin O'Leary warns chaos is about to begin for U.S. economy. Wake up and smell the roses. Why youth unemployment and, uh, surging in Russia? I'm sorry, in China, BMW, Mercedes launching biggest EV push yet to catch Tesla. All income brackets now living paycheck to paycheck. And we talked about Musk. Musk said some things about his daughter. You know, blames elite L.A. school for brainwashing communist trans daughter into hating him for being rich. By the way, this school is $50,000 a year per kid. And then Wall Street Journal story, which is kind of emotional and sentimental. They've been friends for 60 years. Lou and Bobby have figured out what most men don't. Four out of ten men today don't have a best friend. If you don't have a best friend... We will be your best friend here on People Podcast. <laughs> We're also looking for best friends. We will send Harvard, you to your house. Harvard happiness expert says there are three types of friendship. Here's why you need them all. We'll cover all of that. Anyways, okay, let's go into some economy here. Tom, Kevin O'Leary warns chaos is about to begin uh, for U.S. economy. Wake up and smell the roses. This is a Fox business story. Kevin O'Leary, chairman of O'Leary Ventures and Shark Tank star, cautions that the U.S. economy is on the brink of Chaos due to Biden administration policy saying the month of September is going to be chaotic for the economy. He highlights the disparity in government aid, stating we've given we've given nothing to small businesses. O'Leary warns of the impact of small business from rising interest rates, uh, noting Fed is raising rates up to five and a half percent in a matter of months. O'Leary expresses concerns for small businesses, access to financing, stating if you're in the S&P 500, you have no trouble financing your business. You can't say that about small businesses anymore. The cost of capital has gone through the roof. He predicts a reduction in regional banks from 4100 to 2000 That's 50%, leading to a public worry about deposits and stating you're only guaranteed $250,000. O'Leary urges support for small businesses, recommending an extension of the employee retention credit, saying wake up to the importance of small businesses, providing 60% of jobs in America. Tom, what are your thoughts on this? Well, there's a couple of things with Kevin O'Leary. So, and I'm going to take three of them. Self-interest, chicken little, and the truth. So uh, I feel like Karnak. Remember uh, Johnny Carson, Karnak the Magnificent, would yeah. say three things and yeah. then answer them? So let's start with, um, uh, you know, chicken little. The sky is falling. There's things about to happen in the economy, and that's very, very true. Very true what's going on. But the second part he talks about is... Um, the employee retention credit, he's been involved and he's been pimping for it. He does all these commercials for that. So he wants extension of the employee retention credit, and he's running a service bureau, PBD, that makes him money as the spokesman. So this is not the first time, like uh, <clears throat> FTX, where Kevin O'Leary's been a spokesperson that seems to have yeah. colored his public comments. But the one thing he's talking about, he's right on the, the truth part 
on the economy. So setting aside from Chicken Little grabbing headlines, setting aside from he's actually as a service bureau and getting paid on the employee retention credit, and there's a little conflict of interest there. He's right about the economy and small business. Credit cards are at $1 trillion. Job growth is actually slowing. Interest rates are for houses, even for good um, credit, around 8% now for a 30-year fixed. And the housing sales is slow, not coming back. And he's right. When those interest rates are up there, can you imagine what it's like for a small business person if it's an 8% mortgage? And a mortgage member is backed up with a collateral called the house. Well, small business people walking in are looking at 10, 11, and 12% uh, loans right now from banks. So he's right about that. And we already know about the commercial real estate that's going to be pinching the regional banks and the big banks are just going to buy them up for uh, discounted uh, big stacks of uh, commercial real estate. So he's right about that. And I think that what we're seeing here is inflation still being stubborn at about three and a half percent. We're going to get another quarter point in one of the two uh, upcoming meetings of the Fed, which means that the interest rates aren't going to go down anytime soon. So there's a lot of truth in what he's saying is that the end of Q3 and going into holiday season, I'd like to know, and I'm waiting with bated breath to see what Black Friday is going to look like with credit cards already at a trillion dollars. It feel like the consumer is running out of gas, and he's right. Those consumers who are running small businesses got to fund their own stuff too. I like you gave sort of a spectrum of where he is. You called it the chicken little. Then you called it the what? Self-interest. Self-interest. Bingo. And what's the third one? And the third one is the truth because there's truth okay, in these the truths. I went right to number two because um, the self-interest side of things. Um, there's a business model for this. I would call these, these are like the financial shock jocks, the doomsday preppers of finance, is that they are motivated not to be prognosticators or what you call Johnny Carson's back in the day. What do you call them? Well, I was saying when I What's said the, three things, it's like, it's like Karnak. Karnak, Karnak boom, used thanks, to say, Tom. you know, three things and then give you three Got answers it. that were Got funny. It. I just needed the Karnak. Thanks, bud. But basically, uh, you know, he's predicting the downfall of the economy. So if that is the case, Kevin O'Leary, put your money where your mouth is, sir. Do the Michael Burry thing. Go ahead and short the market. Do the big short. Because anyone can just go out there and be like, the sky is falling. I love that. The sky is falling. And basically um, prey on people to buy your products. What's the product you said he's selling? Uh, employee retention credits. He's a spokesperson. For, there you go. Have you got your employee so retention the, credit the, yet? The reason that we respect someone like Michael Burry on this podcast is because he called it in 08, put his money where his mouth is, did the big again. short, did a movie, and did it now again. Hundreds so, of million dollars worth. Exactly. So unless you're that dude that is actually going to be like the economy's going downward, the economy, the, there's going to be in a recession, and you put your money and you short the market, shut your freaking mouth. And I respect Kevin O'Leary. But anyone could just, uh, the economy's this, the recession's this. It's like, the reality is nobody actually knows. Nobody actually knows. So unless you put your money where your mouth is, it's all just hot air. And that's what I'm saying. I wish, this is my last point, I wish there was some accountability for people who are these financial shock jocks, doomsday preppers of finance, that we circle back and be like, hey, Kevin, you said the economy was going to tank. It's actually up 20% this year. What do you say about that? Like, where's that? We it's- would all be part of that camp, by the way, just so you know. We would be part of that camp. Where we've talked about what could happen to the market, to the economy. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what it is? A part of it, 
for 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 what you're saying with Michael Burry, there's a reason why Michael has that kind of respect mm -hmm. to short the market. You have a very good point there. Uh, uh, Tom, when it comes on to next story here, all income brackets now living paycheck to paycheck, a study shows we're not talking like just minimum wage. This article is talking about all income brackets now living paycheck to paycheck. Study done by Lending Club Bank finds that inflation mortgage rates over 7% credit card APR above 20% have led all income brackets to live paycheck to paycheck. In July 2023, 61% of U.S. consumers live paycheck to paycheck, up 2%. Uh, uh, two percentage points from July 2022, the shares of low-income consumers living this way rose from 74% in July of 2022 to 78%. Among those earning $50,000 to $100,000 annually, 65% live paycheck to paycheck in July, up from 63%. High-income consumers earning more than $100,000 $100, annually saw uh, a small increase, rising from 43% to 44%. Study reveals that regardless of income, Americans need their next paycheck to cover monthly expenses due to rising consumer goods, good costs, and living expenses. Higher interest rates have increased credit debt to break the cycle, downsizing housing, negotiating bills, automating savings, and using high-yield savings accounts are recommended. Let me read that last part again. To break the cycle, downsizing housing, negotiating bills, automating savings, and using high-yield savings accounts are recommended. If, if this is reading correctly, Tom, this would validate that eventually if people run out of a savings and they're tapping into their credit cards, we're about to see this. Now, obviously, the average person looks at the market and says, what? What are you guys talking about? There's nothing going on. Market's doing good. Market's doing great. Bidenomics is crushing it. Oh, yeah. You know, maybe better than Reaganomics, any of that stuff. What would you say to those people? I would say the S&P 500 and the stock market index has got nothing to do with helping middle-class America pay their bills. Mm -hmm. And what you're seeing here, we've been talking about it, the middle class is getting crushed. And you look at the lower part of the middle class there, now 78%, almost 80% of that lower band is living paycheck to paycheck. And oh, almost two thirds of the next band are living paycheck to paycheck. We've been talking about it. the middle class is getting crushed. Commodities like eggs and gasoline have come down. Everything else has stayed up. These people are using credit cards to do it, and suddenly we've got like the statement you just read. Hey, if you need to break the cycle, downsize housing. Sell your current house to who? No one's buying. The interest rates are too high for the next That's person. That's the point. Negotiate your bills. Negotiate with who? The credit cards are getting maxed out. Automate your savings. How can you save when you're using the credit card to make up for the inflation pinch on your common expenses? And use high-yield savings account. Well, that's nice. You've got nothing to save. How do you put it in there? The middle class is getting crushed, and the inflation effect on those two bands has been cataclysmic. And well, mind you guys, Pat, you guys have you know done pretty well for yourselves. I'm in that between fifty to one hundred thousand, and I'm feeling it and seeing it from every single thing. Pat, just going to the Publix, just going to the local supermarket now. I've never in my life looked at prices this time on the shelf and out loud been like, "Are you serious?" And mm -hmm. other people in the aisles are like. Teaming up, going. I never. I'm starting random conversations with people, and they're not coming down. Eggs, and they're not. Eggs did, but egg did, everything else, Tom, is not. And it's like, yeah, you, you guys, because I, I think it was live on this podcast, Adam, where the White House remember the recession, the two quarters of negative growth. Well, they live changed the the definition. It's like, mm -hmm. at what point do we admit it's messed up and just come on and say, like, Tom, we're living in it right now, and how much is it going to affect uh, the election? Because I mean, that's to me, that's. That's the average American, and that's me, well, and I'm feeling it. 
I'll give you this. You know how Tom gave you know three different things. I'm going to give you two different things because you know you all you always highlight that the PBD podcast is different from the Sawscast audience. So I'll give two different messages over here. So some to the younger single dudes out there, and then those to the families out there because those are different categories. Because I you know I don't want to get ripped a new one from PBD <laughs> when I tell people you can just Uber rather than having a car yeah, payment for a thousand folks, bucks. Folks, stra- brace for yeah, impact. Brace. Here we come. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> let um, them eat cake. Says for, Adam. Yeah. For, for if you're young and you don't have a family. And you're just a young hustler guy or girl out there. The key to life in America these days is having low overhead and high flexibility. Keep your costs low and your flexibility high. You don't know what the hell's around the corner. Andy Grove once said only the paranoid survive. Whether Kevin O'Leary is right or wrong or Michael Burry or or Warren Buffett who thinks the economy is strong, no one knows. What you can do to control your own pocketbook and your own financial security is keep your head on a swivel. See what's going on, and that also just stay the course as far as your financial situation. What I would also say is those that have families, those that can't necessarily have that high level of flexibility and, um, and the low overhead because you are maybe fixed in on a house. You can't sell it. You can downsize on cars. That's not what I'm recommending uh, pr- specifically. But there is something going on in America today. And it's very interesting because, you know, Andrew Tate highlighted it when we spoke with him. It's the sense of rugged individualism that America is founded on, being an individual, but also um, juxtaposed with a sense of family. If you remember, uh, Tate told that story about the seven um, Muslim brothers that all lived in the same yeah, house. Yep. And they pooled their resources yep. and they all lived together and they worked together and they were all driving fancy cars and doing fancy things because they didn't have seven different rents to pay. So for those people out there, uh, I do understand why you want to be an individual. So you're saying take three families and live together in a house. I'm just saying I'm that, that we're, there is a lack of the, the, whether you call it the nuclear family or the familial unit. Like I know that you want to buy three different lots of your properties right next to you and have your dad there, your sister there, your family there and all that. You also yeah. very highlight the, the Asian family in your mm-hmm. community. I am saying that if... If you do have kids and you do have family, uh, they don't need to necessarily rush to get their own apartment and move out to college and pay rent over here. Oh, so don't kick your kids out. I'm just saying saying that the family unit is the strongest thing we have in America. And it, but, very interesting. But, but, I'm, but and we have this sense of like, oh, you're 18, get the hell out of the house. I would recommend that young people who are 18 stay in the house, save rent, lower bills, keep the family. Did you, unit. Did you talk to Tico and Dylan? Is this is this what's popping? <laughs> yeah, they're going to be there till they're 30. Yeah. There it is. Yeah, but, but Pat, the, it, they can have girls over, but the doors must remain open. I'm sorry, Pat. <laughs> yeah, it's the way it works, especially it. Santa, homie. Yeah, it's not happening. <laughs> oh, no, brother. no one goes on the second floor. Go ahead. No, but, right. but, but, but Pat, like, think about it, Adam. In my 40s single but whatever like when i'm telling you it's feeling it right and mind you yeah. I, I don't spend money on crazy stuff i have a freaking toyota corolla pack but the gas the rent the, it's it's in, it's <sighs> yeah. getting insane like i've been looking at the the, the numbers it's getting I'll really one, bad i'll add one more thing everyone's like oh my god what 63 percent uh paycheck to paycheck what's the exact number 65 percent by the way it was the same thing 10 years ago when I started doing financial content, two, th- two out of three people are living paycheck to paycheck. That was under Obama. That was under Trump. Welcome to America. This is nothing new. Yes, inflation's higher. Wages have gone up a little bit. This is America. People are overspending. They're not saving. For the last 10 years since I've been doing financial content, 
50% of Americans own investments, own stocks. It has not changed. So your habits need to change because America's not changing. It's, it's, it's an evergreen message that is continuous to, to be given, and it's very necessary to be given. Uh, I'm glad you're making that adjustment. So I think the way, if I want to unpack what I took away from what you said. Yes, sir. Parents, three families combine and live yes. together. Consider the religion of Muslim is kind of like where you were going with I'm, that. I, breaking <laughs> news, I'm converting to Islam. Yes, a Jew Islam. is converting to Islam That's the just like, to save that money. That's it. You're so That's what I'm willing to do, guys. Can I take the last word real quick? Go for it, Go to the next one. Ten years ago, what was the population of America? What's the population of America now? When the government steps in to bridge this and give people relief checks mm -hmm. it's a bigger check for our grandchildren and i'm just going to leave it right there Boom. because the population and the number of people that are in these things is tens of millions greater so it is a bigger problem mm -hmm. when you get a socialist president that says we're going to print money mm -hmm. bail you out and pass it down to the grandchildren okay let's go to the next story next story pa 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 should we go to the youth unemployment in china i think we talked about that right yeah we did okay let's go to uh um, let's go to elon musk blames elite schools for brainwashing communist trans daughter into hating kim for being rich by the way these types of stories you I have no them. idea what this does I know to exactly me when i read these types of stories oh uh, my god page? 17 go to page 17 here we go uh, pa, 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 pa. Here we go. Elon Musk attributes his daughter, uh, Vivian, Jenna Wilson's distancing from him to her school's influence, stating she went beyond socialism to being a full-on communist and thinking that anyone rich is evil. He discloses the, th uh, the rift is deeply painful, comparing it to the loss of his first child and laments, I've made many overtures, but she doesn't want to spend time with me. Musk reveals that in April 2022, Wilson's transformation into a fervent Marxist led to a breakdown in their relationship, he emphasizes her desire to disassociate from him by changing her name and gender and adds she doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Musk singles out Crossroads School for Arts and Science. Can you pull up the school real quick? Mm -hmm. Crossroads uh, School and Arts and Sciences as a contributing factor, indicating I partly blame the school for her ideological shift. He draws a parallel between the school's influence and his perception of Twitter, which he purchased uh, 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 later to defend free speech and counter-suppression. Tom, you're a father of two daughters. What do you think about the story? Uh, she will be back on the long walk to the middle, trust me. <laughs> um, she will be back. This reminds me of the uh, young girl who um, ended up in a viral Twitter pic. She's sitting in an airport with a MacBook Air, expensive sneakers, holding a $7 yep. Starbucks with a big sticker on her MacBook, capitalism sucks, yet capitalism <laughs> built everything that was in the picture with her. You remember that? Yep. yep. And I feel this is the same thing. The Whatever was in that girl's head is what's in Elon Musk's uh, daughter's head. You've got these you know, $60,000 a year liberal teachers that think all rich people are bad, and so they're they're out there telling these stories about it because, I don't know, they think there's a money tree and the government's just going to give you universal basic income and all the things you want, including a MacBook Air, nice sneakers, and a, a Starbucks. Um, as a father, you have to be active in your kids and you have to tell them two things, why and when. And I work a lot with, with, uh, with my daughters on this, is the why 
and the when. Why are things like this and when did it start? And let them go see the facts. I've always said that I want my daughters to have two abilities. One is to reason and the other is to resist. And if I tell them why and when and present them facts and I'm big on processing, Pat was an influence on me on processing. I was even more focused on processing the last five years as things have sped up, Pat. But I want my kids to be able to reason and resist because I tell them why things started, when they started, so they can go look it up in history for themselves. Otherwise, they're going to be sitting in a classroom like this and, and getting bombarded. My kids are going to sit back and go, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are you saying there? When did that start? Why did that start? What are you talking about? And they're going to be asking that. They're not going to be saying, oh, you're messed up. I love my dad and you're full of crap. No, they're going to reason right back at it. Why do you think you said that? Don't worry, she'll be back like in the moderate lane. Why are you lane, so middle, convinced yeah. of that? On the long walk to the middle. Yeah. She's going to come back. Why do because you say she, that? Because she's going to discover a desolate life and minimum wage existence unless she stumbles into some, you know, wealthy artist. Whoops, I almost went into Hunter Biden land there. Um, and <laughs> can go can go live her her life. She's going to come back to dad and realize when she's 30 years old, just she's going to come back and she can say, I'm sorry. And she may still have her liberal viewpoints, but there's going to be a reconciliation. And I call that the long walk to the middle. You go way to the left mm-hmm. and you slowly slide back to the middle and suddenly you find your father's not so crazy. And I call that that long walk back to the middle mm-hmm. from her point of extremism now, which has no consequence because she's a student. She's being supported. There's all these things she doesn't have to worry about. You know what I mean, Adam? You probably mm-hmm. see these people in a city like Miami, if, a few of the fringe yeah. By the way, check this well, out. You know this. Uh, were you going to make a yeah, point? Oh, there she is. Give, I don't know if that's actually her, though. But no, that's no, no, no. That's the girl. Yeah, that's the viral so, picture I was talking about. So I, I don't know if I agree with you, Tom. And here's why. Um, you know, Pat always says, who's in your ear? Who's in your ear? Who's in your ear? Clearly, she has the wrong people in her ear. And then you said, all right, maybe she walks it back by age 30. That's 20 years from now. It's 15 years from now. She will be so far gone. Down that rabbit hole of the LGBT wokeness. Plus Q. That, yeah, she'll throw that pew, the Q and the pie sign and a, a, a parentheses yeah. and an asterisk in there. Yeah. She'll throw it all in there. And it it might take a decade or two for her to come back. You know, what, one of the things I love about what Pat says is when you're young, what? You idolize your parents. Then you grow to villainize your parents. She's clearly in the villainization phase. And at some point, maybe age 30, she'll begin to humanize them. But... By age 30, uh, she might have gone through a transgender reassignment surgery, she, whatever. I don't know what she, he, what, what they are, but I think she may be too far gone. And, and this goes back to the private school thing. It's so ironic that you're paying 50 grand a year for these private schools for your kid to end up like this. And the most ironic part of that is any, any family that can afford 50 grand a year for their family, they are capitalists. They, in order to afford a school like that, you have to be making money. You have to believe in free markets. You have to believe in capitalism, free market capitalism. So the the ironic part is that the kid will then get indoctrinated to Marxism. Why, why put your kids in a school like that? But but you know what? What I do like. Were you going to say no, something? Well, I was, was going to say, Pat. Like this. Well, people don't realize this. This is a regional thing. You know where Crossroads is, right, Pat? This is Santa Cali- Monica. This is yeah. California, yeah. right? Yeah. Just like all the all the. Breitbart wrote a book on this school on this eighteen years ago. I know people that I know people that have. You know, kids. this is a school that had menage prom. Like you Ma- go to school with three uh, threes. 
And is this what you were going to say? Uh, uh, yeah. Exactly what exactly what you're saying. It's regional. It's it's uh, uh, Bill Maher was on Joe Rogan a couple a couple mm-hmm. days ago, Pat, and that's one of the things he said. He's like, it's regional in the sense that you go to a dinner in California, Pat. If there's ten people at the dinner, seventy five percent of those kids are trans. It's all that's where they're at, Pat. And it's they have all a cross dressing yeah. day. Bill Bill this school has point, a cross dressing day, apparently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like according to this book written eighteen then, years Pat, ago. Pat, I mean, I'll tee it up for you. You've highlighted the increase in the identifying as the LGBT community. I think twenty percent of Gen, yeah. Gen Z identifies as this. It's doubled in the last decade. Are you were about what, to say something. No, no, what, what, I, what I was going to say is I love that you're saying she's going to come back to the middle, but I also love the fact that you're saying she may never come back to the <laughs> middle and you, you may lose her for decades. The, the reason why both ideas need to be entertained as a parent is for the parent to know. So, so think about it this way. Think about it this way. What's the longest you and I went? Think about your best friend, okay, or one of your best friends, okay, or a sibling, Okay, what's the longest you went, you, your father, your mother, your best friend, your sibling, what's the longest you went without talking to that person? Well, you guys had a fallen out. What was the timeline? Just pick, I don't, don't give a name who it is, yeah. but what's the longest you went without talking to the two person? Well, I'll tell Five you, I, months. Did, I didn't talk Five to my, months. Okay. I didn't talk to my dad for a few years. We had a very contentious relationship. So, years. What's yours? Three years. Okay, what's yours? <laughs> Well, my brother, like maybe two months, three months. Okay, I think perfect. Crazy. Okay, so so sometimes it happens with friends, and you have a friend, and you have a fallen out. You don't talk for a month. Sometimes six months. Sometimes twelve months. Sometimes it's just like, look, man, we grew apart. Mm-hmm. Just we don't have the same thing. But a fallen out is different than growing apart, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Imagine the next time you have a fifteen-year-old daughter. The next time you're able to have a friendly dinner with her. Is when she's 35. It's oh, crazy. God. Okay. It's a lifetime. You are 45 years old. You are not going to have another dinner with your daughter till you're 65 years old. Let me, let me it, it, let's do basic math. One day, my dad is at the house and I'm spending a Sunday with him. In LA, he used to just, on uh, Texas, he used to only come once a month and sometimes once every other month. So once a month, he would come and he would say three days. And I had to have a Sunday with him. I, I'm looking at my dad sitting right there by the couch. And one day I just take a paper and pen and I calculate how many days I have left with him. Okay. Not, not days he's going to live, days I'm going to be around him. Okay. Then I did that with my kids. And I said, how many Christmases are we going to have together? How many more days are these guys going to be in my house together? Watching these guys running around doing all this stuff, right? And then after 18, it's gone, right? It's just period gone. You spend 18 years with them, and then when they leave, you're going to spend God knows how many times, or maybe two years in the rest of your life. I cannot even imagine going 20 years with not having a good relation with my daughter. By the way, it's happening to a lot of people because a few different reasons. One, parents don't have the ability to put them in a Christian private school. Do you know right now every Christian private school here? So when we first moved to Florida, it was open. Like Come there on. was not a waiting list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Today, you can't get in. Why? Because the, 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 the oh, demand? Oh, supply oh, oh, and demand. Oh, oh, wow. Let, let, me, let, me, put it, let me put it to you this way. Christian private schools have so many applications right now, they can't take more people. Wow. They don't have a problem with inventory right now. Their problem is we don't have room. We don't have teachers. We don't have space. 
So, so, so even some parents that want to put their kids in private, like I'm a millionaire, we understand so is everybody else that's trying to put their kids into school. We don't have any room right now, okay? That always tells you how much parents are worried about putting their kids in public schools today, how concerning it is. But this whole dialogue exchange between Tom and Adam, I, I believe both ideas need to be entertained by every parent and not just assume they're going to come back, assume they are going to come back. But if you're 45 years old, you got 40 more years to live. You lose 20 of the years of spending time with your kids. That's a quarter of your lifetime, and that's 50% of whatever you have left. You best be entertaining and monitoring who your kids are talking to, who's in their ears by communicating with them regularly. If you're not involved in their day-to-day lives, this is how they get lost. Yeah. The more you talk to them and you say, hey, how, what did you learn today? Who were you talking to? Who's your best friend? What teacher? Mm-hmm. What did this teacher say? Parent-teacher conference actually go like the other day. I went to the parent-teacher conference. And guess what I'm looking for when I watch these teachers? Hmm. I'm just watching and see how weird they are. So, <laughs> you know, that's all I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, I feel you. I'm like, okay, yeah, she's fine. Okay, yeah. He's a music, yeah, he's a little, but it's cool. He's fine. Okay. This one, okay, and then I walk out with the music teacher. So tell me about your family. I got married, two kids, 30 years. Oh, great. That's great. How about you? You have to take inventory to ask the questions to learn so you know it's not like a risky situation. No matter how much you do, there's still risks. Because somebody, if somebody wants to do something, they can still do it. Yeah. But you got to do your part. Anyways, good commentary. Oh, can I both add one more thing? Yeah. The difference between basically when we were growing up in the 80s, 90s, what have you, versus today is that if you had a fallout with a friend or your dad or your mom or whatever, you come back, you know, two, three, five, ten years later, you're a grown-up, you're the same person, you've matured. Now when you come back, you might literally be a different sex. You leave as a daughter and you hey, say, hey, my son's here. You leave as a son, my daughter's here. That is the biggest concern today. It's not even just ideological family fighting. It is now full-on yeah. gender reassignment. You're a completely different human, not just a grown-up version of yourself. And, and Pat, go ahead, Pat. Yeah, just want, go ahead. And besides the family uh, sense of it with you know father, son, and she's transformation. She's a fervent Marxist, which I've been hearing that, that they're teaching that hardcore in yeah. all these liberal schools. Pat, well, we, we fail to understand. Those kids grow up. These are privileged kids. They're, be, they're the ones that are going to be going into Congress and Senate. And that's why all the problems that we're seeing is as these people's attitudes are turning the country into they want to be communists. You know what I mean? But no, I was nodding in agreement with Pat and just um, okay. I've got no, nothing for the well, uh, By where, the way, where are we going here? Just, just, so, just so the fact that you're hearing this story any minute now in the next 30 minutes, we can have Billy Bush. Mm. who is the uh, uh, family brewing distilling company and had a, uh, in an heir to the Anheuser-Busch multi-billion auto fortune. He'll be joining us in a few minutes here to discuss what happened with Dylan Mulvaney. I just got a couple questions for him. We'll spend 15 minutes with him and we'll get back to Very the ironic. story. Very ironic. So, yeah, that's exactly why I brought exactly. it up. So, Fauci. Let's talk about Fauci. Mm-hmm. Fauci roasted as fraud and liar after being confronted by damning study on masks. So, How odd. Oh, weird. Let's take a look at this. Let's take a look at this on Fauci. You know what he's doing this time. Flip his flop, Fauci. Okay, so uh, Dr. Anton Fauci faced backlash on social media after admitting on CNN that his studies showed masks had limited impact on the overall course of the COVID-19 pandemic. While acknowledging weaker data for pandemic-wide effects, Fauci maintained that individual-level studies indicated masks could offer some protection. Critics, including Senator Rand Paul and commentators, seized on Fauci's statement labeling him a fraud and a liar. They highlighted the apparent inconsistency of his stance, masks working individually, but not on a larger scale, leading to accusations of deception and mistrust. Fauci's shifting mask guidance during the pandemic also fueled controversy. Initially downplayed mask effectiveness 
due to shortages later endorsing them as supplies increased. Vinny. Uh, well, first, I, I've been calling him flip-flop Fauci for, for the longest time. It's like, okay, he's retired. Am I, am I right, Rob? He's finished. He's not even supposed to be. It's just weird that now that all the stuff that we're hearing about. Is this you know, a clip, by the way? I, this is the clip. And, Pat, do me a favor while, while, while he plays this. Look at how creepy this guy's eyes are on the left. But look at, look at Fauci, a retired guy. But they keep bullying him out whenever something about Let's see what COVID he says. comes out. Uh, Brett Stevens in The Times talked about Cochrane. Put that on the screen. The most rigorous and comprehensive analysis of scientific studies conducted on the efficacy of masks for reducing the spread of respiratory illness, including COVID-19, was published last month. Its conclusions, said Tom Jefferson, the Oxford epidemiologist who is the lead author, were unambiguous. There is just no evidence that they, masks, make any difference, he told the journalist Mayan Damasi, full stop. But wait, hold on. What about the N95 masks as opposed to the lower quality surgical or cloth masks? Makes no difference. None of it, he said. Well, what about the studies that initially persuaded policymakers to impose mask mandates? They were convinced by non-randomized studies, flawed observational studies. How do we get beyond that finding of that particular review? Yeah, but there are other studies, Michael, <laughs> that show at an individual level for individual. When you're talking about the effect on the epidemic or the pandemic as a whole, okay. the data what, are less strong. You made no sense. Zero what sense. You just said. It's a nothing salad. What, what, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Individual salad. level. Individuals. And, and by the way, groups. this just came out. I don't know if you saw this. This this thing just came out, Vinny. If you saw this What's thing here, this? Uh, uh, from CDC apparently breaking. CDC has stated that Americans who have had received the mRNA COVID vaccines are now at a higher risk of infection from new variants of the virus than those who aren't vaccinated. Oh, so you're talking about Jill Biden, Pat, who yesterday tested positive. Can you verify this? Go for it. Jill Biden, uh, I'm pretty sure, vaccinated every single booster shot. She's probably in line for another booster. But, Pat, this goes to my question is, Americans, are we going to, are you going to comply when they try to bring this back? Because you know it's coming back. These are the signs. The uh, first lady, COVID. You wheel out Fauci. He's trying to be like, well, I said it, but I did, but I didn't say it. I. This is going to be a beautiful test to see if Americans are going to bow down and do exactly as they're told again because it's starting to come back. Uh, Philadelphia is doing it. <clears throat> I'm seeing my my mom flew recently. She said people at the airport are already starting to wear the mask. It doesn't work. And I sent Rob a video, Pat. Of, uh, of Fauci, this is mid-pandemic, during the pandemic, saying on 60 Minutes, mask, nobody during a pandemic should be wearing a mask because they don't want Rob, do you have that that little clip I, I, uh, I sent it to you? It's like, A, how many times are we going to let these people flip-flop, uh, Tom? And then zero accountability. And why do we keep willing him out? He's retired. Like, get, we don't want to see you anymore. Can you show it really fast? Right now in the United States, People should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it? Because people are listening really no, closely to this. Uh, right now, people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak, wearing a mask might make people feel <laughs> a little bit better. And it might even block a, a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. So so interesting. So 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 what was the date? Was that? What was the date? That was probably that was March mid, of 2020. Mid, yeah, mid, mid pandemic. So but it's no, like, no, not mid. Like very early, right? March well, of 2020. Very early, but but even yeah. does it does it matter if the head? Hey, that's Mister Science says mm -hmm. you don't. It doesn't work. 
If it doesn't work, then what's the point? And then, but Adam, my real question, I'm being genuine. Mm -hmm. Then what, what is it? Is it a show of their power of like they could mess with us whenever they want? Because if it doesn't work, what's the mm -hmm. point? Why? Yeah, good Why question. But I, I think, look, as the, um, the president, George W. Bush, once said, you know, fool me once. Uh, you can't. Uh, you, <laughs> Tourists. You, you can't get fooled again. Tourists. Uh, you, know, you know, fool me once. <laughs> yeah. Uh, shame on you. Fool me uh, twice. Shame on me. So, look, I think what happened to COVID, just taking like kind of a step back, it was so new. It was so weird. We've never seen anything like this. First time in 100 years of pandemic. People are told to trust the science. You know, Operation Ward Speed Trump. You got Fauci out there doing his thing. It's just like you have uh, Dr. Burks out there. People didn't have no clue. No clue. They're telling, oh, get a shot. Don't get a shot. I don't know. You got to travel. If you want to leave the country, you got to travel. Like, but I feel, to use the George W. Bush, they can't get fooled again. Yeah. Uh, I feel like if this happens again, <laughs> yeah. people are like, nah, bro. You, you really have nah. that much faith in the average no, American? Just, I do. Okay. I, I do. don't. They're going to they're gonna bow down. And this comes down to what I was going to say. There's a difference between <laughs> choice and mandates. I think we can all agree this is not a country where mandates play well. If you want to get vaxxed, if you want to wear a max, if you want to put a face diaper on your face, as they say, more power to you. Do your thing. If you're like, nah, dude, that's not for me. I don't want to get vaxxed. I don't play that game. Then that's on you. Like, look, Jill Biden has COVID now. Yeah. My mom just got over COVID. Yeah. Certain people close to us in the vicinity of Valuetainment have had COVID. It's a real thing. Yeah. And whether you get vaxxed or whether you don't get vaxxed, that's your choice. But I do not believe in mandates. But you're, I, and I understand that. But you're saying that now, Adam. What I'm saying is, is when, like you said, yeah. that chaos, that madness, and then I mean, they knew what the hell was going on. They know what what the deal is. They were mm -hmm. mandating it. You couldn't fly, Adam. You remember if you're on an airplane and you even tried to lower your mask, they were on top of you. Right. And some people I saw I was on a flight oh, yeah. coming here at him. They kicked the dude off. He's like, I'm not going to I'm not I'm not wearing a mask. They kicked him off. So, I mean, we've changed. My, my curiosity is mm -hmm. when it hits the fan again and it's coming because the new B.A. whatever the app for the sheep, it's the new one. Let's see how Americans. Rob, can respond. you go back to what you just pulled up when I said, can you verify this? That one article. Let me read this here based on what. Can you please read that? Uh, sure. This yeah. is from CDC.gov. Based on what CDC knows now, existing when? tests now. used to detect and uh, detect and medications used to treat COVID-19 appear to be effective with this variant. BA286 may be more capable of causing infection in people who have previously had COVID-19 or who have received COVID-19 vaccines. And again, that's from CDC.gov. That's from CDC.gov. That's the CDC. So go out and get unvaccinated so you'll be safer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How do you do that? Yeah, but, but can't get pulled again. But, Pat, and here's my thing. Here, here's the here's what the average American is thinking. Not conspiracy theorists, coincidence theorists, isn't it? It's a weird coincidence that now we're getting close to election year. This is the this is the test. This is the oh, there's another variant. Put on the mask. The the mm -hmm. the the first lady has it. At what point is going to get that? We're like, oh God. Pandemic number two is here. You got to stay home. Nobody leave your house. Vote from your house and mail-in ballots. But that, I'm telling you guys right now, that's where they're leading up to. I think let's, let's, let's wrap this up with one thing. You know, the weatherman can say, can you pop that up? Um, Malik, pop that one back up. Uh, in CDC, we're going to go to the next to last statement real fast. Um, you know, it can rain or it can be a hurricane. Right. And Right now, it says here, at this point, there is no evidence that this variant is causing more serious, more severe illness. There you have it. So guess what? 
there is a direct link in all this to mm-hmm. herd immunity and that the variants out there are not making people as sick as they used to. So when you say the word COVID, it's not like saying rain versus hurricane. The hurricane's over. It may rain, and they rain for a couple of days, and you get oh, sick. And you come By the way, P.S., China still has not been held accountable. I'd like to just Isn't point that, that out, what the hell's going on in China. Isn't that weird? Just going to point that out right Isn't there. Isn't that weird? We still, Pat, to this day, wait, you still can't even say that type of stuff for being racist? Where is the accountability for working? You know, you know what, was the, what was the most funniest thing is when, when that one uh, time when Trump says, it's called uh, China virus. Yeah. China. And then uh, it says, sir, you can't call it China. That's, that's discriminating against the whole population we have in America. And then the reporter. journalist reporter who's Chinese, Asian, lady, Asian yeah. lady, says, it's called China. Why would you say that to me? <laughs> remember that. Would you say that to me because I'm Chinese? Yeah. No, it's yeah. because it's from China. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then the story also- comes out. It's from China, yeah. you know. So. Okay, so we're gonna go. Yeah, back is that the one? Is it. that the one? Play that, that's the one. That, no, can no, you just play that? That's not the age. No, that's not. No, no. I know oh, it yeah, starts yeah. with that, okay, and she's you. the last one. Oh, go got you. Go play it from the she's beginning, hot, Rob. By the way. She's cute. Watch this. I keep calling this the Chinese virus. There are reports of dozens of incidents of bias against Chinese Americans in this country. Your own aide, Secretary Azar, says he does not use this term. He says ethnicity people. does not cause the virus. Why do you keep using this? Because it comes from China. It's not racist at all, no, not at all. It comes from China. That's why. They don't have the Asian lady. She's like, why are you looking at me when you're saying China? China. China. Yeah. Wow, weird. Like, he was right. It's like in the 40 year old version. Right. He's like, what's Let's your move name? on to Gina. the next, no. next story because China. we're not going to go back to the history books he and uh, right. erase the Spanish flu or erase the Hong Kong flu yeah, weird. or the great insult to pigs around the world, the, the swine, swine flu. flu. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Shout right. out to monkeypox, though. What Vinny got that one yeah. time. <laughs> let's let's talk about let's talk about. Do we want to talk about the friends? Let's talk about the friends right now. They've been friends for sixty years. Lou and Bobby have figured out what most men don't <laughs> when it comes. Do it again. That voice. Pat, I love that voice. I love it. It's let's get it on. L- l- listen, Lou and Bobby. What a name, Lou. Lifelong friends, Lou Wilcox. <laughs> And Bobby Roback <laughs> Jr., who met in 1962, continue their strong bond by spending Saturdays together. Their routine involves breakfast, errands, and heartfelt conversations that reflect their shared stories and understanding. The decline in close friendships, especially among men, is evident with 15% lacking close friends as of 2021. Per the American Perspective Survey, societal norms emphasizing work and family over emotional sharing con- contribute to this trend, saying psychology professor Michael Addis. The chemistry of friendships thrives on shared experiences. Lou and Bobby's journey includes growing up in similar household, facing illness. So in other words, have COVID with friends and careers in law enforcement. They navigated differences openly and support each other through lifelong challenges. Their enduring companionship serves as a model for mental health and well-being as they navigate together. And by the way. Go ahead. I was going to yeah. say the article that follows yeah, this. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Dad. Yeah, so Harvard happiness expert. Harvard happiness expert. There are three types of friendships. Here's why you need all of them. The utility friendship. Those that can pay your bills. No, I'm just joking. Think about the relationship you have with people with whom you work with or with whom you do business with. These relationships tend to be transactional in nature. Friendships based on pleasure. I mean, there's some words for this as well, right? So this this one comes with benefit. This type of relationship is based on mutual admiration because each person draws pleasure 
from each other. If a person finds their uh, friend funny, interesting, and a source of enjoyment, it is likely a friendship of pleasure. And last but not least, perfect friendship. By Aristotle's standards, perfect (laughs) friendships are those between people who have a mutual love for something that not only brings them together, but elevates their behavior to virtue. A relationship is perfect not when it is based on utility or pleasure, but when it is focused on improving the circumstance of the other person. Are we so, perfect friends? So what's are going on over perfect? I think oh. we're all perfect friends. Yeah. Tom, what are you thinking? Uh, wh- why is this a headline? I mean, Philadelphia. <laughs> Wall Street Journal. Journal. Right, right, right. right. But, but think about it. Philadelphia was known as the city of brotherly love, where people in a tough environment would back each other up, help each other out, help each other with kids and family and stuff. And that's what you do. It used to be called neighbors. It used to be called community. Yeah. And when you go to the Bible, the Bible talks about three types of love. Agape, phileo, and eros. Eros is erotic love between, you know, uh, you know, spouses. Agape is like God's unlimited love for us, so much he was willing to die for us. And then phileo is exactly what he's talking about. That's where we get Philadelphia. I don't understand why it is such a newsflash that when people come together in community to really support each other, whether you both love the Philadelphia Eagles and you go to ball games together, or you both have teenage kids and you're getting through that together, or you're supporting each other, one person gets laid off, you're helping them out find jobs. I don't understand why it's such a newsflash that what was once a core of America, knowing all your neighbors' names and being connected to them and supporting them is mm. is a headline now. And I think it's great that they're highlighting the long-term benefits that these two guys have had, because if America will come back to this spirit of community, I think there'd be a lot of, uh, a lot of benefits to the psyche of people getting through recessions, COVID, and all these things, because you'd have mm-hmm. more friends and more support. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what's going on with these two gay guys, Lou and Bobby, but <laughs> these guys have been living together for oh, 60 no, years. Don't do that. I don't know. Lou Wilcox and Bobby. Look, back in the Army, at my my friend, Lieutenant why did, why Colonel you do Peacock, that, that was my guy. <laughs> that was my guy. I don't know about this Wilcox guy. But look, here's what I will say. Um, speaking of the three friends. I know that you got all biblical on friendships, Tom. I'm gonna, you know, bring it back to the real world. In that was only one of my points. If you I know, were listening, no, I'm not uh, arguing with you. you weren't. I'm not arguing with you. Athos, pathos, and uh, fellatio. Um, not fellatio. So look, there's three types of friends. I like how they pointed this out. You have your work friends. Yeah. I get it. You know, these are transactional. Hey, buddy, what's up? What's pandering to the mob? Th- then I would say that you have like your party friends. These, hey, what's up, bro? How you doing? Let's go party. But these aren't like your best friends. And then you have the guys you can just sit on the couch with and chill. Those are your buddies. Uh, I love what Pitbull had to say. Is that Because especially during COVID, we all isolated. You weren't around your friends. You weren't around your people. And just because you have social media doesn't mean you're socializing. Yeah. Right? You need to get out there and have friends. And there has been a massive decline in friendships. So I think uh, in the 80s, um, people had five or six close friends. Today, it's one or two at the most. Like, there's a limited amount of friendships. People just are not socializing outside. And then everyone's so obsessed with having followers, but the, op- abs- the opposite of followers is being a leader. So get out there, make some friends, even if it's like these two 60-year-old men over here. I thought you were going to say you have friends you smoke weed with, some you do coke with, some yeah. you drink alcohol with. I yeah, thought no, that's the direction you're going. No. If you're being Pat, from Miami, that's like all there's the same yeah. crew. That's the same people. I got you. No so there's weed. loyalty between yeah, those. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, listen, it, 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 as, as crazy as it sounds, there was an article, yeah. Rob, a couple of weeks ago. We never got to it. The whole lonely uh, epidemic. If you remember that article, I mm-hmm. think we were trying to comment on it for a couple of weeks. We forgot about it. I obviously forgot about it. But 
it, it was a story about the fact that a lot of people are lonely nowadays, right? America has a lonely problem. Whatever the article was. Was it the article from Scott Galloway where it's like the, the most dangerous? No, people that wasn't in the, world the one. It was another lonely, one. Lonely, isolated. But by planet. the way, it, it is true though. There are a lot of people that don't have friends. There is an no. element. Look, I remember. I'm telling you from even from the business standpoint. When I started PHP, the beginning stages, oh my gosh, being introduced to a vestige or a group of people, we'd sit there and talk about problems of running a company, having kids, family, and then you're all of a sudden saying to yourself, man, I'm not the only person going through this. I thought I'm the only person because I have to battle with being lonely. You think you're the only person that's going through this problem. You think you're the only person that's facing the embarrassing, humiliating breakup, challenge, issues, struggle. And then eventually you're like, no, man, there's a lot of other people out there. You know, this whole concept of AA when it got started is other people have a similar issue like you as well. But collectively together, we can get through this. And that system, AA, uh, a big part of it is faith-based. Matter of fact, it is faith-based. Has saved so many people's lives, right? Because you go in there and you say, oh, you got a problem too. You got a problem. That guy's a normal guy. That guy's an executive. That guy's a, wait, she's going through this. Are you kidding me? That, wow, I am not alone. So uh, it's great to have these types of conversations, but I will say to you, go find a community. Everybody needs to be part of a community. God knows we need it. Yeah, you were going to say no, something? And, 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 and Adam, you killed it too with the social media. Because, Pat, think about it. You, if you're home and you're one of these guys, your phone, you can do, you can see everything. You could, you could have virtual this video yep. game at your house. You literally have to make a conscious effort to go get the hell up and get the hell out. Just, just yesterday, bro, Adam, I woke up, I heard a band and people playing. Yeah. I live by myself. I went to the, there's like a yeah. local farmer's market with a band that I met people and then I had people over for dinners. You have to get out. And I just want to say that I'm happy that you, I think you guys are my perfect friends. Thank you. Uh, I appreciate that. I'll add one last thing because I know we got to go Aww. see B B Billy Bush. I love you, Tom. Um, it's so easy to just not leave your house these days. It is. So easy. This, never in the history of the humanity have you never had to leave your house. You don't need to go get a girlfriend. Just watch porn online. You don't need to have friends. Just, for, just communicate with your friends on TikTok and on Instagram. You don't need to go shopping. Just do it Instacart. It. Go to Amazon. You don't, there's no reason to leave True. your house yep. unless you actually want to be a real human being. Yeah. Like one of, the, one of the things I love about Pat is you had your boy Manny there at uh, the vault. 21 years. You've had Felix in the office. Whether it's Alpha or Steve or Armand, these guys have been over 20 years. I, this Sunday, I went to go see my buddies. They were having a fantasy football draft. I did not participate because <laughs> it's a waste of time. Yep. I just hung out with these guys and ate chicken wings while they called me a Trump fan for two hours. I was like, <laughs> yeah, I'm the Trump guy. Like, like, but the part of having friends is being able to bust balls, be a dude, and like shoot the shit with your homies. Yep. And you can't do that online. No, at all, and it's horrible. And I think about those; those are the friends that you're supposed to sit and talk with and have go through your problems. Yeah. People that don't have that, they go to psychiatrists. They sit there and they talk to somebody. That's what your friends are for. To Guys, talk, talk. Do, do you want us to turn off the podcast and just Please, have a bonding moment together? Adam, let's go. Friends, and how many people have that? Do you actually remember the words friends. of that song? Friends, friends how many of us have that? Yeah, there you go. Good. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, yeah. so uh, let's go through a, a story of a company called NVIDIA. Mm. Tom, I'm going to come to you with this one here because I know you got a lot of thoughts on this. And Vinny, if you can get your reports ready. I'm, wait, hold on, because uh, uh, I have uh, charts. Uh, uh, Vinny, you got the TPS reports ready to go? Right, but by I the way, them. I think this is a, a, an excellent story to get into to transition into our next story. Hmm. NVIDIA crushes analyst expectation in second quarter earning report. Uh, uh, their Q2 earning report released on August 23rd reveals a remarkable, ready, 88% surge in revenue to $13.5 billion 
accompanied by an impressive 203% increase in net income to $6.1 billion. Their margins are 50%. Notably, data center revenue also sees substantial growth, soaring to 140, by 141% compared to previous quarter. Jensen Huang, founder and CEO of NVIDIA, emphasizes the advent of a new computing era driven by accelerated computing and generative AI. He states the race is on to adopt generative AI. Analysts from Wedbush Securities describe the results as pivotal moment for the tech sector with ripple effects expected to impact the industry throughout the, throughout the year. Despite the outstanding performance, NVIDIA, 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 acknowledges supply and demand challenges for its AI chips. Demand surpasses uh, supply by 50% and concerns arise over possible export restrictions to China. Tom, what can you tell us about what these guys are doing? So here's what's going on. Um, AI needs a power source. That power source is chips, and NVIDIA makes more and better chips for AI than anybody else. It's that simple. This is like Intel. Do you remember the um, all the ads you used to see growing up, Pat? Intel inside, and you had little robots dancing around, and the next generation, the 286, 386, the yep. Pentium chip. Yep. That was the heyday for Intel, because Intel had the technology Technology powering this thing called the personal computer. Mm -hmm. NVIDIA is powering this thing called AI, and they're a leader like Intel was. Remember when um, Microsoft was on a roll, and every time they had an earnings report, they would crush it again, including a time when a reporter saw... Uh, uh, Balmer and Gates walking to the elevator on the backside of a conference area. You know, just like the elevators you use for security, Pat. And they were high-fiving each other because they had just convinced the analysts that their quarter wasn't going to be as good as it was going to be. And the analysts had kept raising the estimates and their job was to keep the estimates lower. So you're going to grow 50%. I'm really thinking it's like 30 35%. I don't know. It could be cloudy tomorrow. And they were doing everything they could. So Microsoft had its heyday. Intel had its heyday. Now we've moved from the Wintel standard for laptops. We've moved into cloud computing and AI chips. And NVIDIA is the Intel of the future for AI. And that's for people listening. That's the way you look at it. And so they are crushing it. And this is their, this is their run to the top. So, so if you look at the stock, if you look at this closely, which is obviously very impressive, these guys went from, let's zoom in a little bit, by the way, check this out. From 2019, they're at, you know, whatever, $20, $30, whatever the number is, and then they go up to 141 then they go up, and then they have a drop-off after COVID, you know, big hit, and then boom, now they're back up to 494 right? These guys went from, you know, I think it was a gaming company at one point to semiconductors to now mm -hmm. AI. So the whole idea about business is only the paranoid survive, but also the ones that are able to make the right pivots in business are also able to survive. They made the right pivots. Many companies didn't make the right pivots. By the way, this doesn't just apply for some of you guys that are watching and saying, well, I'm not running a billion-dollar company. I'm doing this. Look, when it comes down to content, you have to make the right pivot. Some don't. They're done. There used to be a lot of people you have watched content. If you could go look at your history, I don't know if you can, from the content you consumed four years ago to three years ago to five years ago to ten years ago, a lot of those guys are gone. A lot of those guys you're not following anymore. Some people in content didn't make the right pivots. The same happens with business. The same happens with marriage. The same happens with parenting. The same happens with your health. 
And uh, these guys get credit for making the right pivots. And now uh, the the six point one billion Tom on fifty percent margins, they're pretty much cashing like they're they're a bank right now, printing money the way they're growing. Oh, it's absolutely. And it's it, we, again, we've seen this before. But what they did was for people that were paying attention, what was going on in video game? If so, everyone that saw. Madden football getting more realistic and more realistic and more realistic. You remember this? Who's a gamer in here? My me. I, I'm a Call of Duty and I play. Okay. Yeah. Well, did hadn't Madden football the players got more lifelike, more lifelike, and then the rain, and then the textures, everything. and then everything about the game. That's why they called it EA Sports. It's in, it's the, in the game. game. If it's in the game on the field, we want to bring it into the PlayStation and the Game Boy yeah. and the uh, Xbox 360. Yeah. So Nvidia chips in there have been applying. These were called physics engines, and all still dynamic engines that were inside video games to you know project the bounce of the ball according to how you're playing it yep. not a movie but according to what's happening and nvidia's chips have been on this march toward what they have today so what started in video games with ai and everything else they didn't just come out of the garage and say oh look what i just invented this is a oh, yeah. company that is an overnight sensation 12 years in the making i'll add one thing and this is basically a shout out to the vault event and pbd but one of my favorite parts of the of the entire vault is when you do the case studies and there was an entire, what, like half hour long case study, debate, argument, state your case, what you're going to do. And everyone in the audience had the opportunity to say what they would do to implement AI in the company. And Manny had an answer. And yeah. uh, uh, other guy, guy had an yelling. answer. And yeah, a shot yeah. had an answer. And it was going back and forth. But that, my friends, is kind of the reason we do this podcast is that's where you find common ground. That's where you find the answer. So I don't know if you saw... Um, that Eric Schmidt, who was the former CEO of uh, Google, spe- obviously they're involved in the AI game, was just on my boy's uh, show, Fareed Zakaria. And he was pointing out basically all the the pros, the cons of essentially AI. I think that's what we're in need of right now is there's so many questions around AI. Nobody knows, is it good? Is it bad? Is it going to change the world? Are robots going to take over? Uh, I think we need more conversations and more specifically debates around AI. Uh, Rob, how are we looking, Rob? Good. We're just sound checking and video checking real quick. Okay, we'll sounds good. Why don't we just get AI on the case? So buddy. let's do one story <laughs> and then we'll go to that. So Ju- uh, Google uh, AI chief warns genetic engineering could bring deadliest pandemics ever. <laughs> Interesting story. Mustafa Soleiman, Google's AI chief, sounds the alarm about a major global threat, a super pandemic resulting from genetic engineering. He warns that within the next decade, it could become commonplace for individuals to create more lethal pandemics from home, stating a kid in Russia could download the instructions set for pandemic. Suleiman uh, un, uh, underscores the urgency of containment and success, uh, access control, saying we have to limit access to the tools and the know-how. Suleiman stresses the ability, the accessibility of advanced AI technology, noting its increasing affordability and availability. He highlights the potential risks, including cheating on exams, crafting viruses with worldwide impact. Sure. Driven by the open nature of the technology to address these concerns, he advocates for an international treaty involving not just allies, but also perceived adversaries like China and Russia, stating, we all have a shared interest in advancing the collective health and well-being. Tom. So i got two sides to this. The first side of this is maybe the guy's right. The second 
side to this is maybe Google wants to be the biggest defense contractor in the AI world. And they're like, we need to have a uh, shared interest and a global Mm -hmm. treaty and limit access to everybody else except us (laughs) so that we can dominate the space. So I think I read this story and my skepticism goes right down the middle. Maybe he's right. But on the other side, you know what? Maybe he's just trying to to carve out a place for for Google, and he's uh, using scare tactics to do it because limit the access. Mm-hmm. He's not talking about himself. An international treaty. He's not talking about being left out. It's kind of like saying, "So listen, guys, you can trust us because we're responsible. We're not going to do anything. We have to be careful with the other people because at Google we have your best interest in mind. Even though we control Google, YouTube, a lot of different companies." We know what's right for you. Is that kind of what your interpretation is? Exactly right. From the company who originals Charter on the Wall when there was only six employees that got out of that garage in Silicon Valley, don't be evil, was one of their tenants. Remember that? Yes, Mm -hmm. I do. And they've been embarrassed by that being waved in their face how many million times, literally millions of times, by pundits and observers who think that they have done evil in so many ways. You think that's Larry and Sergey? They, they're being accused of evil? Is that what you're saying? I, go go read the articles. Uh, the buck stops somewhere. Why read the articles? I got the biz doc right no, here. The no, I mean, the point, the point is, look what they've, look what they've done, the manipulation of, of YouTube. Look what they've done on manipulation of AdSense. Somewhere, someplace in there, they've said, okay, for the profit motive, we're going to do this, this we're going to do, this we're going to do. The government called, government's on the phone. They're a big contractor of the Google data center. They'd like these four people to be taken off of um, uh, YouTube and because they're talking about vaccines. Okay, I'll be right back. Well, let's see, let's see what happens there. But That's I know the whole evil line. We have Roger. Billy Bush here with us. His newest book, Family Reigns, The Extraordinary Rise and Epic Fall of an American Dynasty, available on Amazon. Rob, let's make sure we put the link in chat as well as the description. He is the founder of the Bush Family Brewing and Distilling Company and heir to Anheuser-Busch's multi-billion dollar fortune. He's a proud father of seven children and stars with his wife in the MTV reality series, The Bush Family Brood, a graduate of St. Louis University. He played professional polo, winning the U.S. Open Polo Tournament. He and his wife, Christy, a film producer and head of Bush Productions, live on their 700-acre estate in St. Louis, Missouri. Billy, thank you for taking the time for being on the podcast. It's a pleasure, Patrick. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, so, Billy, you know, it's interesting. Just a couple weeks ago, Tom and I were at the UFC event with Dana White, and Dana... Uh, uh, introduces uh, to uh, the CEO of Anheuser-Busch, uh, Brandon Whitworth, which, by the way, he seemed like a friendly guy. We had a good uh, conversation together with him. And I asked him the question that I want to ask you to see what perspective you have. As an operator myself running a company, you know, you got a lot of direct reports. You'll have the CMO reports to you. You'll have the CFO reports to you. You'll have your chief compliance officer. Different businesses have different chiefs, but you'll have all these chiefs that will report to you. And sometimes you'll have chiefs reporting to other chiefs. But how does the – when a decision is made by this Alyssa uh, 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 Heiner Scheid, uh, a very friendly last name, when she decides the VP of marketing to uh, send these beers to Dylan Mulvaney – and Dylan Mulvaney takes it, and all of a sudden, it's cost at this point. I don't know the exact number. How much? A billion? No, no. It's 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 a lot of money that they've lost every week. The number changes because they haven't fully recovered yet. Billy, for for you, obviously your background will go into the company, but a decision like that being made, 
who does who has to give the approval for that to go? So meaning, is it more of a CEO responsibility, the CMO, or is the CMO empowering the VP of marketing to say, look, let's get the product out on markets we're not in? How does that work out? Well, I remember back in the old days that nothing went out until the CEO approved of it. And, um, you know, I am, after writing the book, Family Reigns, The Extraordinary Rise and Epic Fall of an American Dynasty, I am more close to my ancestors and the people that ran Anheuser-Busch than I've ever been. And I understand it much better these days. And I just see that, um, you know, that kind of marketing, nothing would go by the CEO without their approval. And I even remember going with my father, Gussie Bush, August Bush Jr. He was the fourth leader of Anheuser-Busch and going to conventions and wholesaler um, uh, meetings, things like that, and seeing him show the wholesalers and people at the conventions what the upcoming ads were going to look like before they ever aired them. And so they had the ability to weigh in on the ads. So, um, you know, I just don't know how something like that would have slipped through the cracks with Brandon at Anheuser-Busch InBev today. But uh, but of course it did. And uh, look what happened. Do, do you think uh, do you think he knew about it and he approved it or do you think it happened without him knowing about it? I think he had to have known, known about it, Patrick. I don't think anything happens to that in that magnitude without the CEO knowing, knowing about it. Okay, so let's let's say let's say he didn't know about it. This is a guy that's a former CIA guy. He's a sharp guy. He's not like a lightweight. He went to Harvard, I believe. I think you know he's military background. He's a decorated guy, so he's got the military side. He's got the paranoid side of being in the military and CIA, where you're always skeptical and wondering what people's motives are. You've gone to Harvard, so you got a little bit of the business background. You've done a ton of case studies. What would make him, with the background that he has, say, "I think it's a good idea to send Dylan Mulvaney, you know, a, a some Bud Lights, and let's put Dylan's logo on it, and he's going to probably end up liking it, and it's going to get us into a market we're not." Knowing who his audience is is not that. Well, I got to tell you, if he's uh, a CIA guy and um, and has been working um, in that branch and doing things like that, maybe he doesn't understand the beer business that well. Maybe he doesn't really understand who his audience is. Um, but, you know, as we've heard today, you know, the CIA are very left. They're doing everything to help this administration uh, succeed right now in um, the Biden administration. Um, they're working against uh, conservatives. And um, we, as we know, this is a very woke agenda that we're seeing with the CIA. So if he is part of that agenda, then it's obvious why he, he went with, uh, with, with an ad like that. I, I'd follow up with this, and then, Tom, I'm going to turn it over to you. I know you got a couple of questions for him as well. So, so, so for me, it, it, I want to give him the benefit of the doubt because when I spoke to him, Dana spoke very highly of him. And when I'm talking to this guy, he seems like a reasonable guy. He doesn't seem like somebody that doesn't know what they're doing. We had a good 10, 15-minute conversation together. So how much of it, Billy, could be the fact that nowadays with ESG, people are concerned about their scores, and you're looking at these uh, three companies that are pretty much controlling the marketplace through institutional investing. I'm talking the Vanguard, State Street. BlackRock, the Larry Finks of the world. So they're going out there and investing into these companies and you have to create a certain guideline and you got to have this DEI score and this CEI score. So there's so much pressure to have that, to get on the right scoring. So 
S&P doesn't downgrade your, you know, your ESG score. Of course, nowadays, S&P is saying we're no longer looking at the ESG. How much you think was that versus how much you think he said, I think this is a brilliant idea. Let's do it. Well, I think uh, I think that absolutely weighs into it, what Blackstone and Vanguard and uh, the other company are, are, are part of and how much control they have over these companies today and uh, what and their their agendas that they're pushing. And it's really sad to see, because uh, if you listen to them, obviously, they don't know the beer business. They don't know um, even like Disney Disney. Um, they don't know the theme park business. And uh, and I do believe that they have something to do with pushing these kind of woke agendas on these companies. And, um, you know, does it take a really strong CEO to say, no, we're not going to do that. That's not what our audience is all about. Our Bud Light drinker does not want a transgender on on the on their beer can. Not, you know, it's, it's um, too political. It's been politicized uh, over and over again with men competing in women's sports and all these things going on today. So, um, you know, when my family ran the, the company and it's in the book, they would never get political in that way because they didn't want to alienate 50 percent mm. of the population in America. And that's what these guys did. And, uh, you know, my family was very much like Brandon. I don't know the CEO of Anheuser-Busch now, but um, they were all, you know, my dad was a colonel in the Army during World War II. My uh, my great grandfather even was a corporal during the Civil War for the Union Army. And so they all know about the military. They were all very much American. But, you know, they would never politicize their ads. They love this country for what it stood for. They believed in freedom. They believed in, uh, of course, the rights to transgenders and gays and who and, and everyone out there. As long as you weren't hurting anybody, that's what this country is built on. But um, to get into these kinds of advertising just doesn't make sense. And, and honestly, Patrick, I don't know how they're going to come out of it. I really don't. Um, I think their sales or I know their sales are still way down. I don't think they're making much of a comeback at all. And whether they get the, the drinker back and make that America's beer again, which my family worked so incredibly hard to build, um, is um, is yet yet to be seen. Yeah, it's it's interesting. When I was in the army, 101st Airborne, all we drank was Bud Light. And I will tell you, some nights we drank 23. The record is 27, but let's keep that between us. Tom, uh, you had some uh, some thoughts on this. Go for it. You had some questions. Well, first of all, I'd like to say, um, as a young man. Um, uh, lived a couple years in Creve Corps uh, when my dad's job had us there. And uh, he and my mom took us to Grant's farm. And I remember going there. It was a wonderful experience. You know, you, you felt tradition. You felt family there. So thank you very much for your family having that wonderful, uh, essentially making it like a national park. Um, but I see the tradition in that. And I also see the, oh, you're welcome. And I also see the tradition in your heart. Uh, you're a brewer at heart and what you've just done with your own brewery um, and an entrepreneur at heart. You built you built one attempt. It didn't work out so well. And now you have another one where you've got two of these Pilsner beers out there, Gussie and Adolphus, in tribute to your family members. And I look at that and I see the heart of an entrepreneur. I see a heart of the family. And I want to ask you a question. You know, Seagate Technologies was taken private. They went back and took it private, if you know about that company out in Silicon Valley storage. Michael Dell took Dell back private, took back control of it. You've made comments about, about Bud Light. Is there an opportunity here for maybe the family to 
take back because it was not an intentional thing. Uh, the family had sold its holdings and, and you were in a position that many companies are in where you could have these hostile takeovers. And ultimately, I guess they got the bid up to 71 and it was to a point where the shareholder vote, nobody was going to vote against that because it was such a premium to purchase. And as try as you know, uh, August the 4th tried, who I think was your nephew. Um, you became an uncle when you were five years old, I think, as the story goes. Um, <laughs> do you think about, do you think about the opportunity here, like Seagate, like Dell, to take a run back and bring this back into the fold and show the, the American fan and customer, multi-generation customer, that you're going to take this back and you're going to do something with it? Well, thank you for all your nice comments there. And uh, you must have read the book, Tom, because um, uh, everything you're saying, you know, is in the book. I grew up on Grant's farm and I'm glad you enjoyed it there. And it was a wonderful place to grow up and had a great time. And I talk all about my experiences in the book, Family Reigns. So check it out. You guys are going to love it. But yes, I, I will say that I do think it's going to be a very difficult uh, quest for InBev now to um, get uh, Bud Light rolling again. Um, I just go back in history and I, I see the accomplishments that my great grandfather, grandfather, father and his brother, um, how hard they worked, how much they loved the company, how much they loved their employees, um, how, how they understood America and their audience, how much they loved this country. And uh, you could you could live the American dream here. And I think that's one of the reasons I wrote, wrote the book today is because, you know, People forget how great this country is. And um, I wanted people to understand that my, where I came from, and that is you can make it if you work hard and you have a dream and you have the faith and you have the determination, you can make it in this country. You can do great things. You've got a really, really good chance to do it anyway. And so um, I never worked directly at Anheuser-Busch. <clears throat> I didn't have that opportunity. And if you go back into the book again, you can see why I wouldn't have had that opportunity. Yep. But I did work um, at two distributorships um, and, uh, you know, delivering beer to the customers, to the bars and the restaurants and the grocery stores and, um, and liquor stores and what have you, all the different uh, convenience stores, of course. And I got to know the people. I got to understand the industry in that. I was also also grew up on the entertainment side of the business at Grant's Farm, uh, keeping the place beautiful and maintained for guests that would come uh, the seven months of the year we were open. And then, um, like you said, I had my own company, uh, the William K. Bush Brewing Company, with my family. And, um, you know, we made a heck of a college try and making a goal with that company. Um, it didn't work out. So we've kind of changed the model now with the Bush Family Brewing and Distilling Company, inviting people out to our farm to enjoy the history and the beer and the beautiful farm atmosphere and great food. And um, I think in order for, to get to your question, I think in order for InBev to turn things around, they're gonna have to do something drastic with, with the Bud Light brand. And to make it the iconic brand that my family built is gonna be very difficult for them to do it in the situation that they're in. And I am serious as can be if they were ever willing to spin off the Bud Light brand or the Budweiser family brands, I would be more than happy to buy them. I would um, be the first in line. I think bringing them back in the Bush family would not only be a win for the Bush family, but it would also be a win for America and would it would be, be a win for InBev. That would be very interesting, Adam. Billy, question for you. I want to hear how you would 
make Bud Light great again. So, you know, growing up in the 90s, we all remember the commercials. They were iconic. What's up? Is he, is he gone? Okay, there he is. You know, what's up? Or, you know, you know, to the real American heroes, we salute you and all this. And then used to have the Bud versus Bud Light Super Bowl things. Like and the frogs. Everything. It was awesome. The commercials were amazing, right? Fast forward, sign of the times today. You got Dylan frickin' Mulvaney as your spokesperson. And Vinny's like, oh, they. I think they lost a billion dollars. Try $27 billion, sir. Not your fault. I get it. But, you know, I saw you on Tommy Lauren, uh, her podcast. And you were like, look, I just think they're out of touch. They're based in Brazil, in Bev. You, you told this awesome story, but I think it was your grandfather, even 90 years old, getting in a truck, meeting the guys who are running bars, just like, you know, like a politician would, getting out there, shaking hands, kissing babies, like selling your beer, selling your brand. And I just think there's a lot of things that are out of touch. You know, a shout out to Hall & Oates right there. You know, fast forward to today, there's a video of our friend Tom who just asked you a question. Pat offered him a beer. He's like, I won't even touch it. Like, won't even touch it. Then you got Kid Rock literally assassinating Bud Lights. It's like, it's gone so extreme. So if you were to buy it back, you know, right now, Modelo is the number one beer in America. Freaking Mexican beer. I think yeah. InBev owns them as well. So how would you actually make Bud Light great again? You know, I would get out there on the street. I would meet with the uh, bar owners and the managers of the different accounts that we sell the beer into, like I have been for the last uh, several years, 10 years, with the uh, with, with the former company. And when I did it with um, the Budweiser distributorships, get out there, meet people. I would have everybody that worked for me, including the marketing company, get on a truck, deliver beer, understand who their customer is. Get out there, get involved so that they know who they're marketing to. Um, I don't think InBev, I think, I think you know, unfortunately for them, they're not an American, American company, like you said, Patrick, and they don't understand the American customer, the audience that drinks Bud Light. They haven't been out there uh, selling the beer. Like I was telling Tommy, um, you know, they, how my father, still at 90 years old, would go into a bar, buy people beers, and let and shake hands, and um, that's the way to do it. And it comes down to the old-fashioned uh, way of marketing the product. You know, there's all kinds of ways to market today. There's so many different channels, but the basically, uh, my family always lived by the statement: "Making friends is our business." You got to get out there. You got to get amongst the people mm -hmm. because that's what beer drinking is all about, right? It's all about bringing people together, being social, inclusive and having a great time. And that's what the campaigns and, and history have been about. Also the quality of the beer, the strength of the beer with the eight horse hitch, the Clydesdales was something that was huge for Anheuser-Busch. And um, you know, that's the kind of way I would go about it again um, awesome. to, to really get to make Bud Light and the Budweiser brands America's beer once again. What would you say to Dylan Mulvaney if he, uh, was at the bar just sitting there drinking a Bud Light. Would you have anything to say to Dylan Mulvaney? I would say, um, let me buy you one, Dylan. But listen, um, I'm not going to use you as an influencer um, on our on our marketing ads. You know, more power to you. Please, uh, I'm glad you love Bud Light. Um, you know, please enjoy it with your friends and your family. And um, I don't think uh, he actually loves man. Bud Light. I think he's sipping on rosé or some sort of Zinfandel. All right, let's, let's, Tom, if you have final thoughts, we have one last question. Yeah, I would, you know, I, 
you know, I once read that there were 10 iconic brands in America, and I'm not going to remember all of them, but it was Coke, Harley-Davidson, Ford, Budweiser, and Chevrolet, I think, was on the list. And I think in many ways, if the family brought it back at a time where I think America needs unity and maybe a return to some of the, the great I- iconic brands of it, I'd love to see this come back to the family and so you to do something strong with it. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Tom, well, for I that. Really and by appreciate the- uh, Billy, okay. I, want, I want to finish with a legendary quote by uh, Adolphus Bush. I think we have to finish it the right way. He once said, you can only drink 30 or 40 glasses of beer a day, no matter how rich you are. So <laughs> we never got there. It was the goal. 23 is our number. Billy, again, thank you for coming out, folks, watching this. Rob, let's make sure we put the link below to his book that just came out. Uh, 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 Family Reigns, The Extraordinary Rise and the Epic Fall of an American Dynasty. Thank you, Billy. Uh, uh, that was fantastic. Great to have him on, and I think we lost him. But, Billy, if you're listening, thank you for coming on. Really enjoyed it. Interesting to see what's going on. My whole thing is, you know, if you're running a company that's always known for having the best commercials you do, I mean, when you're going back and telling those stories, but wise, er, yeah. you know, hey, what's up, what's up? You know, when you think about that, to go to this, there has to be a set of non-negotiables, as the CEO to say. Anything we're going to do that's against this, our core brand, you need approval. And for it to happen without that is kind of weird. And if you did approve it and you did send it out and you're paying the price for it, well, you cost the company a lot of money, not a little bit of money. I wonder a where lot that girl's money. working right now, the one that – Would you think about his, his The one that is, 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 apparently didn't get fired oh, yeah. and you she can't say she, she got fired. fired. She wasn't fired. She wasn't fired. Yeah. $27 billion mm-hmm. mistake. Let's talk, uh, let's talk about Oprah and Rock. So Oprah and Rock uh, uh, decided to come out with a message to say they have the right way, the way to be trusted, to give money to – and if you give money through them, it will definitely be a good decision to help out the people in Maui. Vinny, you have some thoughts to say with this video. It's all over the place. A lot of people are happy that they did this call on them noble. A lot of people are not happy about it. What are your thoughts? Okay, so, oh, yeah, first, they made a video asking uh, the average Joe for money. And I get, Pat, I give, I know, you know, we, we go to the same church. I donate. I give, I give the family. I give the friends. But... It's pretty crazy. One of the facts that we saw, that was a great sound, by the way. Yeah, I that love was that a Bud sound. Light right there. Is, uh, Vault Pat, Watermelon. You've average, had too many of them. Yeah, these people, oh, it feels great. These people, <laughs> the, by the, between her and The Rock, Pat, guess how rich they are. Just if you had to guess on the book. Three and a half billion. Exactly. Yeah. You, you nailed it. And from the stats that we showed on one of the first stories, the average American, especially like low income, Pat, it's up what? Paycheck to paycheck, 78% from 70 Six percent. We're struggling, but she's so concerned. If she's so concerned, Pat, about these fires and these people, why did she fire? Uh, she hired a, a, a private firefighting team to protect her land uh, before this all went down, right? And instead, Oprah just uh, got what two thousand acres of land. <clears throat> Oprah, if you're so concerned, why don't you give up some of that land for some of these displaced people so they could stay? Because these people have nothing. They're struggling right now. So why don't you, you know, put your money where your mouth is? She hasn't mentioned, Pat, that she bought all this land for pennies on the dollar. And I think it's just how out of touch. I, I don't think this is genuine. Uh, genuine. And I want to give some facts just about Mommy, really, uh, Maui. The government leaders, they did want to make it. People were saying it's a conspiracy. They wanted to make this a smart city, but the locals didn't want to sell. They were like, no, this is our land. We, this is, we don't want to sell it. All of a sudden, this fire. Uh, comes out right and all these stories from the ground from actual residents police blockaded people with 18 wheelers and patrol cars pat so they couldn't get uh, to their land the government shut off the water 
They canceled school, and out of 3,000 missing, Pat, 1,000 children have been accounted for. There are still 2,000 children, and this is a fact. I'm not making this as a conspiracy theorist that they're, they're missing. Nobody's talking about it. The police chief, and I know we talked about it, is the same police chief that was in Vegas during the Vegas massacre. He appointed himself the coroner. So you mean to tell me that guy is the only person that could see the, the bodies and make a determination of the cause of death? It's like this keeps piling up, right? Uh, and all of a sudden, yeah, Zuckerberg, Oprah, all these people buying all this land. And then as a military veteran, Pat, there's a military base 15 minutes away. They weren't there until a week, a week and a half. It's just none of it is adding up. And then FEMA holding back water and everything like that. And I cannot tell you, Pat, how many videos I'm seeing that you're not going to see on social media. You're not, I mean, you're not going to see on, on Facebook, on CNN and all this stuff, only on, on X, only on Twitter. The people are flipping, losing their minds. They all are, they're like, something is up. We can't get to our land. Everything is fenced off. We're getting phone calls from people saying, we'll, we'll buy your land. They basically, uh, that's why I'm saying the Oprah and the Rock, Pat, if you watch this, I, it doesn't feel genuine. I don't feel it. Something is going. Something. Something is up. And I play, just play the first thirty seconds. Let's just see what Maui that we were texting back and forth, and I read this article that Dolly Parton had given money in her community, and I said, I think this is the answer. You said, I think that's the answer. I said, I love it. <laughs> and so we have created the People's Fund of Maui that will put money directly in the hands of the people who need it right now. So if you send a donation. Just click where you see below and send a donation. That money is going to go to one of many residents who have been displaced in Maui. We guarantee. That's right. And I know a lot of people out there, as Oprah and I have been finding, are just uh, having a hard time trusting where the money goes. What organizations yep. that I send money to? How can I help? Can uh, in this and case. And Pat, and can, I, can I say something too, Pat? Yeah. They're asking the average American that can't pay rent, living paycheck to paycheck, how about this, Oprah? Why don't you ask Biden or or the government? Hey, could we have one billion of the two hundred million we sent to Ukraine and just give it to them? How about right now? Stop, I want one million. I want one billion dollars back and give it back to them, Pat. Because apparently, I heard something too where this money that they she put in money and he put in money. It's they going both to their put in money. They both put in money, but there's a loophole or something where that money is going to their like the organization. It's not even coming out of their pocket. It's like if you can want, you verify that because to me, if they're putting their own money, fine. and then they're also raising money, I think it's uh, you know it's you're at least doing something with it, right? Now, I mean, you, you know, is it enough money to do anything more here? Let's just see what's what, what it's saying. Oprah and Rock uh, uh, angered some fans by asking them to give Maui their own donations was less than half a percent of their total wealth. Can you go a little lower? Half a percent of their total wealth. So half a percent is what three and a half billion. One percent would be thirty-five million, so half would be seventeen and a half million. So I see what you're saying. So that's kind of how they calculate. So the fans are jumped to donate more than ten million dollars. But do you feel me, Pat? Like your this this message is for the average American. Why don't you go after the people that have no, I all get the that. money? Pat. I mean, here's the thing about giving money, man. You can never give enough money. Never. When you do give any kind of money, it's never enough. If you give. A million, they say, why don't you give two million? If you mm -hmm. give two million, they'll say, why don't you give five million? So to that part, I totally understand where they're coming from. I didn't know they're not uh, they're giving money. I thought they're not giving money. If they're giving $10 million as well from their own money to Maui, 
you know, uh, uh, respect to them. To the, all the other stuff, the fact that the, that one girl that went viral with the video, tell us why you hired a firefighters before the fire even took place. How did you know to do that? That's the stuff that we don't know that needs to be investigated. All the other stuff, you know, they want to bring awareness. Um, no, listen, eventually what happens to a lot of people that give money they want to give anonymously, and they don't even want to be involved. They're like, dude, I don't want to give it. I'll give something, but just please don't tell anybody because I know no matter what I give will never be enough. No matter what I give will never be enough. So go for it. And at what, at what point, Pat, does coincidence and conspiracy, like where are we at? Because if and I, I, I Googled the definition. Coincidence is a remarkable concurrence of events or circumstances without apparent casual uh uh, happenings, but conspiracy is a secret plan by a group to do something unlawful or harmful. You, we get we get looked upon as these crazy. I'm a conspiracy theorist. Is it so crazy to see that these people are making or they're doing something on purpose? How many mistakes have to happen? Is it gross negligence, Pat, or was it set up for them to lose all these this are land? two different issues? I'm very skeptical what happened on Maui. I'm very skeptical what the politicians did locally. I'm very skeptical why they didn't give the water. I'm very skeptical why it looks like. It doesn't look like fire. It looks like it's completely something else with the dogs like looking the way they did. I'm very skeptical why certain houses didn't catch on fire within the community of Maine. I'm very skeptical of that. Yes. There, there could be two different uh, uh, issues within the same event. I'm super skeptical about why the guy from Vegas shooting Mandalay Bay is the guy that's working on it. Now's the core assigns himself. That kind of stuff, super skeptical. This kind of stuff, you're giving money, it's not enough, you know, get in line. Everybody, no matter how much you ever give to to anyone, they're always going to say that's not enough, that's not enough, that's not enough. So until we find out more, if they're giving 10 million bucks, more power to them, can they give more? I'm sure they can. They don't have to. It's their money. They worked hard for it. They're giving a lot more than uh, the government is right now, way more than the government is right now. Government's giving $700 for <laughs> family, so uh, good for those guys. Okay, all right, so let's go into a couple other stories here. So... Uh, pa, 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 pa. Which one do we want to go to? Do we, we want to do any Trump? Politics today. We haven't had any politics. Which one do you want to go to? Tom's got some thoughts on this with Super PAC. Okay. So two things. So the Santos team denies Trump's rumor that he'll drop out of the presidential race to run for Senate. This was a week ago on August 28th. It's on page seven. I'll read two stories simultaneously. Then, Tom, I'm going to give it to you. So uh, uh, DeSantis spokesperson Brian Griffin strongly refuted Trump's claim on Truth Social that DeSantis could abandon the presidential race for a Senate run, saying on Twitter that it's fake news and suggesting Trump's army of consultants was anxious about DeSantis's debate success. Trump, using the moniker Ron DeSanctimonious for DeSantis propaganda, propagated the notion that rumors are strong in political circles about DeSantis's potential dropping out of the race. Uh, to V for Senate Rick Scott's Senate uh, seat, despite DeSantis' recent polling setbacks. And Emerson poll post-debate unveiled a 50% support uh, rate for Trump among GOP voters, a 6% dip from previous poll, whereas DeSantis gained two points, railing Trump at 50% to 12. And then DeSantis super, camp, super PAC's urgent plea to donors, we need $50 million. This is a New York Times story. Ron DeSantis' super PAC never backed down. Led by strategist Jeff Rowe, urgently seeks $50 million from donors ahead of the second GOP debate on September 27. We need to do this now. We're making a move now. The day after Labor Day, we're launching, and we need your help to stay up and go hard. Uh, the rest of the way, we need $50 million. bucks. Rowe emphasizes the need for $5 million monthly to sustain IO operations separating uh, separate from uh, rivals and beat Donald J. Trump in the next 60 days. We need to beat Trump in 
the next 60 days. And separate from all his other rivals, we need $5 million. Okay, same thing said twice. Okay, go ahead, Tom. Thoughts on this? So let me split this for you. When you hear that the super PACs are behind in their support, that means you're losing your big donors. Because the way the game is played, you go out and create these super PACs. Because super PACs are unlimited. If you wanted to give anything now as a citizen, you can only give $3,300 as an individual, your wife could also give 3300 Your children could even, on their own, give 3300 But that's it. Beyond that, you have to give money into the super PACs. And the super PACs go to the billionaires. And we've heard the stories about this billionaire is with Trump, these two billionaires are with DeSantis. And for them to be going out and saying, we need $5 million a month to sustain Iowa, and we need $50 million right now, is an incredibly bad sign. Because the super PAC money is usually locked in early. You have who your supporter is going to be. We've heard Larry Ellison looking to get behind one of them. You've heard the list. This is not good. With this leak, the, the, the camp does not want this leak to, to come out. Citizens are giving, you know, up to $3,300, usually $25, $30, 50 bucks, something like that. This is a really bad sign for the campaign, which means that the super PACs are losing the support of the big donors. And the big donors, after the debate and looking at the polls, are saying, Maybe I'm going to hold the big money back because maybe this isn't the guy that's going to challenge. Wow. So, oh, wow. Interesting. That's my conclusion here. By the way, it's a lot of people's conclusions. <laughs> it's like if you were behind him and just put money in the Super PAC, let me ask you, Pat. If you were in Super PAC, and we won't say DeSantis, we'll just say it was a candidate, and you're looking at this kind of, hey, the debate did not give him a 10-point pop, and he's suffering an erosion in certain groups. What does that make you think? You know, hey, I've been to the party, I've given some, but I'm not going to chase it. I'm going to wait for you to see if you can really go get Iowa. Yeah. And he's saying, I need $5 million a month between now and February to get Iowa. If you follow the trends and the stats and the polls, I mean, what? Earlier this year, they were neck and neck. neck and I neck. constantly say this. It's like yeah. they were neck and neck. And due to failed marketing. And arrests and, and, arrest and indictments. <laughs> that too. It's turned into a blowout. So, you know, it's typical Trump fashion. I hear he's dropping out of the race. I hear he's going to be a center. The there may or may is. not be any truth to that whatsoever. But believe me, Trump will pounce on the opportunity to market that story. But what do you expect uh, DeSantis's people to do? You know, we, we've met his spokesperson, Brian Griffin, not the dog from Family Guy, his, uh, <laughs> his spokesperson. You know, he's going to hold the fort and say, no, we're not dropping out of the race. But look, at some point, the writing's going to be on the wall. You were neck and neck, and now our guy, Vivek, is passing you up. You were neck and neck, and now it's all about Vivek. There, there you neck go. Neck and neck now, Vivek. So, and I think as, to, to kind of give a bigger picture to this, as more of these, the stats show and the polls show, as more and more indictments come down the pike, <laughs> it it's just codifying his firm grip on the Republican Party, the biggest challenge Trump's going to have is pivoting in the general election. We get it. He's got the Republican nomination on lock. Uh, his closest uh, opponents, DeSantis and Ramaswamy, are, are nowhere to be found, especially in the polls. Uh, and you so, know. so you're saying that little, what was it, Pat? We talked about it yesterday, that, that uh, the independent, uh, Tom, that vote in the middle that you were talking mm -hmm. about, and like the African-American uh, uh, support is shifting Towards Trump, I forgot that the, yeah. it went down from yeah. Well, I'm, when, is it, it ain't. It's not just yeah. All I'm seeing is people like There's, you know what? We're tired of you know the government you know 
doing this and doing that, and the support is shifting. Well, watch this here from Axios. Yep. Okay, Trump world sees Haley surging towards DeSantis. And according to this poll in Iowa, Fabricio poll depicted Trump leading with 44%, DeSantis at 18 Haley at 10 Whoa. And then there's Ramaswani and Tim Scott tied at 7 in New Hampshire. Trump led with 48%, DeSantis 11%, Haley and Ramaswani at 9 Again, that's 2%. And Scott tied with former New Jersey Governor Christie at 5%. So they keep talking about this, whether you know he's getting closer or not. And this is leading to the biggest question, Trump supporters— Pressure him to debate DeSantis. This is a Newsweek article. A survey conducted between August 26 and 29 showed that uh, while 61% of all GOP voters and 83% of Trump supporters approved of his decision to skip the first debate, 57 of them now overall believe Trump should take part in a second debate to get scheduled uh, on September uh, 27th, I believe, at the Ronald Reagan Library in Simi Valley. Do you think Trump should show to the second debate, Tom? Hell no. Still saying no. Hell no. Let these two JV guys battle it out. <laughs> there's no re- like. And what's this? There's debate no at? reason. And what's this? De- uh, so Pat, this debate is how many people on stage? Whoever's still in the race. Whoever like, hasn't what, dropped what, out. I mean, by no, no, no. I probably think, eight people. I think the rules are going to drop the two governors. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, no way. I'm surprised. <laughs> Asa Hutchinson and, 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 and then my and guy and, and Doug yeah. Burgum. Yeah. Man, that was um, my guy, Burgum. I I remember his name. The guy that sprained yeah. his ankle playing basketball so with his age. I actually like his ideas. They're going to yeah. drop. And then um, yep. also it looks like Tim Scott may be on the edge of qualifying. And he yeah, may, and loser. And, but he may not decide to drop, but he may not be able to be on exactly. the stage. Uh, and so that's I just want to see Trump, I, Pence, Christie, DeSantis, Vivek, Nikki Haley. Everyone else get out I of there. I think Trump, because, Pat, when we were there, we're like in that big, you know, it's like an arena, Adam. I just saw this big GOP thing in the middle. I just wish Trump would have just descended, like, Ed here and just fireworks. And then not debate, just leave. Like, make an entrance and then leave. And then, Pat, here's my question, though. Does the Democratic Party not debate at all? Are they they're not, not? They have no, no, no plan to but have my, but uh, debates. Why is that? Because it's, it's called an uncontested for weekend at Bernie. Correct. It's called an uncontested yeah. primary. Oh, so nobody gets to even hear. But here's correct. the thing: if, if it, like right now, if you look at the the store, so Tom, you think Trump should show up second one or no? No, I don't think he should show up. Don't because only thing that happens if he shows up is he gets picked on. I think he should let the crowd continually to hit themselves because it is a fact. Everybody was screaming, "Well, Trump lost six points in 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 Iowa." True, but Haley took. Um, apparently four of her points demonstrably were taken mm. from DeSantis supporters that moved over because they saw she made a strong case. Yeah. I think he lets that continue to shake out. And I think in the DeSantis campaign, I think the writing is on the wall, but with your back up against the wall, you can't see the writing. And I think that's where Ron DeSantis By the is. way, just re- refresh my memory. In 2020, did Trump do any debates against any uh, Republican contenders? I don't think so. I don't I don't think Obama did it. I don't the, think it's very common only, for incumbent president. You're right. Debate. It's not. The only thing that's different is the following, and I'll, and I'll tell you what it is. There's this guy named Gavin Newsom. I don't oh. know if you know him or not. Oh, yeah. Gavin. His, his I saw shift, the movie he started. American his shift Psycho, on so. energy is a sign he's running for something. Washington Times. This is a September 3rd story. So Governor Newsom is strongly signaling a presidential run likely in 2024 by 2020 to position himself as a more capable alternative to the current Democratic ticket. Newsom's shift away from the traditional environmental stances is evident as he prioritizes ensuring consistent electricity supply 
and avoiding surging energy costs. Notably, he is advocating for increased natural gas uh, storage at the Aliso Canyon facility, despite the history, its history of a major methane leak in 2015. This move aligns with his focus on practical energy solutions over rigid, rigid ideological purity, Newsom's strategic decisions, including expanding natural gas storage and keeping the Diablo Canyon nuclear plant operational, underscore his commitment to maintaining energy reliability and affordability for citizens. Tom. So what he's doing here is Gavin Newsom is still all about green energy. But right now, the green energy is dollars and making it cost less for Californians. That's his green energy program. So Aliso Canyon has needed to be retrofit for a while, and he wants to store gas there. So if there's a shortage over the winter, and California doesn't have winters, but they do have shortage points. And so he also doesn't want Diablo Canyon to turn down its uh, uh, megawatt output. And so what he's saying is, yeah, look, I can't have the people in California have their price for energy go up because we have a shortage of energy. Um, we're not going to have cold winters. So we don't have heating oil. But you know what? I'm going to back off this whole green thing, and I'm going to quietly do things so that we have energy storage in California for the benefit of the people, and it's also anti-inflationary. Now, I happen to think that as a governor, he's putting the needs of the people first and trying to get them less expensive energy. But it sort of flies in the face of going arm in arm with the green en energy mob in, in Washington. So it's a bit two-faced, but it's actually going to be good for Californians that want to have a little less um, inflation on their energy over the next nine months. But his motive is different. I think like, uh, you, you, you knocked the energy part out of the out of the park. Um I think he's just sort of waiting in the wings as an insurance plan. God forbid Biden is not able to make it. And that's a, you know, very substantive uh, possibility. Make it, uh, make it in what sense, though? You mean like just meaning heels he's over or falls on another flight of stairs? Correct. Oh, you so, really think you really believe that? Like he might not make it till next year? You want to bet that Joe Biden finishes his term? Fini like finishes his term. I think he's he the president right now. How yeah. much you want to bet he finishes his term? Another 500 bucks. You have a deal. You think he's going to die or something? So let me flip no, it over, no, no. Vinny. Do you understand what it means to finish your term? He means he's going to finish his term as president. He's not going to die. Oh, you mean you mean go another four? No, no, no. Do you understand what he's the president yeah, now, yeah, Vinny? Yeah, you're saying four, yeah. He has one more year left. Yeah, he's going to finish it. Yeah, I know. Okay. That's why I'm betting. You guys are buddy. saying the same oh, thing. You guys are saying so the same stupid, thing. Adam. Uh, what do you mean? So you're not. I'm saying he will. He's well, like, okay. Okay, so this biographer you says. You both need it, This biographer says. brain function. It wouldn't be total shock if Biden drops out of the no. 2024 race. My concern is not Biden finishes the term. I have a bet. Byron Udell, Jake Udell's dad, if you're listening, you wait a bet in 2020. One of the first uh, PBD podcasts. Um, whether Biden would finish his term or not. I'm like, yeah, he's going to finish his term. Of course. He might be old and sick and weakened at Bernie's vibes, yeah. but they'll prop his ass up and he'll finish his term. So I have a $1,000 bet with him. I think he'll finish. Oh, Aaron, can we now, get can we get uh, Joe Biden's address and send him a case of vault drinks, please? <laughs> go. Now, can... the biggest concern should, in fact, be the second term. For all of those people out there saying that he has dementia and he's sick and he's falling downstairs, I hear you loud and clear. He's going to finish his term. The biggest concern true, all of the above. should be the second term. Because the last thing we need is Kamala Harris becoming oh, president no. of the United States. Hillary Clinton would flip 
the, the oh flip God. her lid if Kamala Harris, it's, or as Judge Joe Brown calls her, Kamala Harris, I, became the oh. uh, first female president I, of the United States. I, I'm, I'm, but listen, even when... Space. Even, yeah, oh, God. Space. Even it's when so Trump, big. E- even when Trump space. was in, like, I mean, you saw, you saw Pence. He spoke a lot. Not too crazy, but, like, Kamala Harris, besides laughing, like, where is she? I haven't yeah. even seen her. In like a month, where is she, Tom? What are you, what are you doing? She's been busy de- delivering funeral wreaths around the world, which is where they send most vice presidents oh, when they don't want them to be. Well, in let me ask you guys a question. back to the goodwill tour Newsom. to Booker Glob Yugoslavia or yeah. something. Um, what's the word on their debate? Because I think Newsom is just doing this to make himself relevant, stay in the fold, keep his name out there. God forbid Biden can't run twenty twenty four. You know, First of all, it's, a ba- it's a bad look for DeSantis to debate Newsom. Tell me why. Because, he okay, elevates Newsom. What, what, what are you doing? Like, what, what, are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? You're running for president. He's not. Why are you debating a person that's not, not running for president? What, what are you doing? Like, what's your outcome? What are you doing? It's embarrassing. You shouldn't even do it. You shouldn't even agree to it. Yeah. It's actually a, a pompous and arrogant to say, yeah, we're going to run because we feel we're the future anyways and you guys are old. It's a little bit disrespectful on the way... Uh, uh, anyways, I don't want to get into that part. I, I, I did not like that uh, uh, positioning. While you're running for president, you do it. Now, if you do it while nobody's running for president, now let's just say they did it in 2022, the peak of COVID, 21. Great. I totally agree. Do it. Yeah, yeah. Not right now. You're two not years right too late. Now. Two years ago would have been a fantastic debate. The world would have watched. It yeah. would have been massive and would have helped DeSantis out, by the way, if they would have done it two years ago. But right now, there's now, no reason for them irrelevant. to do it. No, by the not. way, can we just give a quick shout out to our good old friend Mitch McConnell? Good to see that he's back functioning uh, and uh, not a. Uh, I don't know what is going on. Frozen? Like, uh, what is going on with that guy? Vinny? I don't know. I, I, I don't because this is the second time. Pat, it's like the handlers that are around him. It's like what, what, yeah, what? Why you, you just can't you can't give up that power, right? Because who's who's who's? How uh, do you not know he's not meditating? <laughs> why, why, how do you not know he's not right. praying? I, why do you why do you undermine such a experienced wise man? <laughs> Maybe the entire time he's praying for every person that's representing their new station there. Uh, I think he's a living example of a Zoom call actually, with bad bandwidth. Pat, I, I, think, I think today. I'm going to post a sketch on Valuetainment Comedy. Of look, Pause it right there of what he's looking at. Uh, it'll be a little surprise to you, but he's... Listen, <laughs> that look, he... Look, and then he's looking up to, like, up he's here, like, praying, God, yeah. Heavenly Father, God, I'd like you to pray for Pat, President God Biden. God is like this. God is like, you're coming. It's like coming. a Zoom call God, with you, uh, <laughs> bandwidth problems. <laughs> no, like, uh, uh, did, did he just freeze? Are you there? Yes. Yeah. I know we're poking fun of Mitch McConnell. I'm not McConnell. making fun. No, it's I am. Sad. We all are. It's sad. But this is a guy... Literally uh, four people away from the president. He's a Senate oh minority leader. He was the majority leader for years. By the way, if you look at the stats and the polls, least favorable politician, least favorable senator. So the people of Kentucky, shout out to the Kentucky Wildcats. You guys know a lot of a lot of college players that are one and done. Yeah. That's like the best college basketball school, one and done. This guy should be one and done years ago. Time to get him out. Who would take, who would take a spot, Pat? Right. Who, who, who takes a spot? The Adam sounds to be, he's pretty interested in wanting to do something like that. But anyways, gang, it's been great being with you guys. Uh, Rob, what, what else we got this week podcast-wise? Well, we're I back we Thursday. Mike. We're back Thursday. Okay, sounds good. We will be back Thursday. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye, bye-bye.